We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and dark talk of looming conflict. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. Dear viewers, we have just received word that Libertarian Death Squad is taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Over of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so spectacularly um, and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its not to travel abroad it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Joe Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are you an now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island today declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. I'm James O'Keefe with OMG News outside the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills. Dylan Mulvaney is inside the women's restroom right now, so I'm going to ask him for comment about our story regarding women being raped in prison by men claiming to be transgender. Here we go. Dylan, this is James O'Keefe, OMG. Women are being raped in a prison in Washington State by men claiming to be transgender. There's footage of them talking about the rape. Do you have a comment on the story here uh, of the w women being raped by the men claiming to be transgender? James O'Keefe, OMG News. Um, do you, what do you think about the women who are being raped by the men who are transgender? Do you have a comment about that? Please don't come in the elevator. Um, what do you think about, what is your comment to the women who are being raped by men claiming to be transgender, Dylan? So we're here with Dylan uh, here. Uh, haven't had much Bud Light recently, but we're very interested in the women's prison. Dylan? Okay. She did go into the, he, she went into the women's restroom. What the hell are you doing? This is a women's bathroom. 
trying to show them the footage. No comment here at the Four Seasons Hotel in we Beverly Hills. All right. I wonder where she's going. He's going. Do you guys have any, like, O'Keefe beer? O'Keefe beer? Do you have any O'Keefe beer? No O'Keefe beer? Do you guys have O'Keefe beer? You don't carry O'Keefe beer? No one will get a shipment in? Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm Rose James Masson, and uh, let's get right into the latest Budweiser news. I mean, Bud Light news. Sorry about that. Anheuser-Busch breaks silence after Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney controversy. And uh, there's a couple of articles about this, actually. Bud Light has faced backlash after releasing a marketing campaign featuring transgendered activist Dylan Mulvaney by Adam Michael, thanks for being here. So we don't sell any Bud Light currently. Uh, We didn't really sell very much before uh, either. It's something that we do stock and put in the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's not a beer that people want to engage in some sort of cultural battle. So, Mike, have you heard of conversations inside the bar? Are people talking about Bud Light and them partnering with um, this transgender activist? Is it, a, is it a point of conversation? It is. Um, and I think, you know, the main thing to note about that and the conversations that, that you hear that, you know, there's some confusion um, amongst, you know, your average bar patron about Bud Light. Um, some people understand the full scandal. Some people just understand that, you know, Kid Rock shoots his gun at it and they think that's cool. Um, So they, you know, there's not really a clear message there, I would say. But do you, just to quantify it, you can't quantify it because you didn't sell Bud or Bud Light anyway. I, well, to quantify it would be very difficult to say, especially since the story broke. Um, but you know, very little Bud Light is little to none is being sold. So Mike, since the scandal broke, are you now saying I'm going to stock my shelves, put in my bar, a tap with Bud Light and your customers would love that? No, Uh, I don't think (laughs) so. Currently we use, uh, our bar is actually located across the street from a brewery and those are the beers that we have on tap there. Uh, Bud Light is not, is not one that's on tap and I don't think it's uh something that's going to be on tap but that's up to the bar manager he makes that call not me and that has to do with prices and all kinds of stuff like that oh mike we know you control the shop there not the bar manager don't put it off on him don't put that bell light in there mike don't put it in okay you got it all right deal thanks for joining us mike lamar michael all right moving on anheuser bush executive officer is breaking his silence Ooh, sorry about that let me adjust that a little bit so sorry, bear with me. There we go. Anheuser-Busch chief executive officer is breaking the silence two weeks after Bud Light sparked significant backlash for its marketing campaign featuring transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney. <sighs> Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth on Friday issued a statement in response to the backlash. Quote, as CEO of a company founded in America's heartland more than 165 years ago, I'm responsible for ensuring every customer feels proud of the beer we brew. We're honored to be part of the fabric of this country. Anheuser-Busch employs more than 18,000 people. And our independent distributors employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. We have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and proud history supporting 
are communities, military, first responders, sports fans, and hardworking Americans everywhere. Whitworth said, quote, We never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Ooh, buddy. You are a dumbass. You don't just weigh in on a topic like this and say, Oh, well, we didn't mean to divide anybody. Then one of two things happened. One, you're blowing it out your ass right now, which I'm pretty confident you are because we have another article coming up soon. And second... You knew nothing at all about your audience, your demographic, or who Dylan Mulvaney was. Now, there are some reports coming out saying that Anheuser-Busch Top Brass actually had no knowledge of uh, Dylan Mulvaney's partnership of any kind. And to be fair, the Dylan Mulvaney cans were not released to the general public for sale, but the issue is twofold. One, Dylan Mulvaney's audience is children. That's... So this is where the two problems come in with that. A, Dylan Mulvaney already promotes a lifestyle fueled on mental illness, delusions, and make-believe. Like, completely bullshit. Dylan is a groomer, absolutely. And then on the other hand of this, you have... uh, Well, James, why do you say a groomer? Because Dylan is telling kids to transition. Telling kids to go out and seek this lifestyle. Yeah, that's grooming. And... The second issue is Dylan Mulvaney is showing this off to Dylan's audience. Dylan's audience is prominently children and young teens. So Dylan Mulvaney is promoting mental, uh, a mental hellscape of a lifestyle and promoting alcoholism to children. Those are the two problems here. That's why I don't ultimately care a whole lot. I think it's cringy as fuck when any company partakes in the pride shit. It's cringy as hell, but... They're not directly employing someone who is targeting children to be their spokespeople. This was a unique situation. Now, every company should get fucking mocked and dribbled on for promoting the pride shit. And June's right around the corner. So we will be doing a fair share of that. That'll be the, this will be the fifth pride month since this show started. Well, let's see, 2018? No, way more than that, actually. Holy shit. But... Let's, uh, we'll go more on that later. Let's continue, shall we? Backlash, bring people together over a beer. <laughs> Good luck with that one. It seems like you did a banged-up job on that one. Quote, My time serving this country taught me the importance of accountability and the values upon which America was founded. Freedom, hard work, and respect for one another. As CEO of Anheuser-Busch, I'm focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. I care deeply about this country, this company. You care about this company. Our uh, <laughs> our brand and our partners. I spend much of my time traveling across America, listening to and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to customers across our nation. He added, yeah, and he also rolled out this cringy-ass ad campaign. We'll get into that. Mulvaney said on social media earlier this month that Anheuser-Busch sent a pack of Bud Light to Mulvaney with his face on it as part of an ad for the company's March Madness contest, along with celebrating his full year of girlhood. You put girlhood in quotations, but you'll unironically say her. Fox News, you're fucking retarded. God damn. Jesus Christ. That startled the fuck out of me. Anyway, that appears to be the end of the article since... Oh, okay, there we go. Everything vanished, now it's all back. Okay, let's see. 
Okay, scrolling down, that was weird. In an Instagram post, Mulvaney said that the cans were his most prized possession, along with the video drinking a Bud Light as part of the campaign. Previously, the company said in a statement to Fox News that it occasionally creates commemorative gift cans to celebrate personal milestones and works with many influencers. Quote, Anheuser-Busch works with hundreds of influencers across our brand as one of many ways to authentically connect with audiences across various demographics. Well, by targeting the 1% of this country, like the less than 1% of this country, you done goofed. You done goofed real bad. From time to time, we produce unique commemorative cans for fans and for brand influencers like Dylan Mulvaney, which also means Bud Light is saying, oh, yes, you could totally transition and become a woman. And I've said this before, it's an unpopular opinion, even, you know what's really funny, I've come to realize something, Rumble, I'm gonna plug Rumble hard as hell, A, it's the one, that's actually the platform I'm the smallest on that I actually use, like, actively, and two, you know, they they are a actual YouTube competitor, and I pray to God that BitChute gets on the same level as Rumble, I actually prefer BitChute's uh, community, it's a bit more edgy, that's kind of my point here. Now, the BitChute audience absolutely loves my, my view on this for, for the most part. Uh, but the Rumble audience gives me some pushback on this occasion. But I'm still going to reiterate this point because I'm not changing my views for anyone unless you can present me an argument that might sway my uh, persuasions. Now, trans people do not exist. Their mental illness and its effects on society absolutely do exist, however. Now, why do I say trans people don't exist? To call somebody transgender would imply that they can successfully transition from one gender to another. That is scientifically impossible. If you are born a male, you will die a male. Your bones, your skeletal structure, and your muscles will be that of a male forever. Your shoulders will be broad, and you will be unmistakably male. Your jawline and everything. And when you are buried, your skeleton will look like a male skeleton. You will never carry eggs. You will never have a womb. You will never dilate authentically. You'll have a machine, uh, a, a medical torture dildo, basically, to reopen an axe wound. And if you are born female and become male, mass varicose on that, you will never actually be male. You will never carry sperm. You'll never have a functioning penis. You will never get anybody pregnant. You are not a man, and you are not a woman. You will never be able to successfully transition from one gender to the other. So I say this in all love and honesty... Trans people do not exist. It is a myth, and we need to push back on that as a culture. Now, people want to live make-believe lives. I don't care. You will not force me to call you by a made-up pronoun, because I'm just not going to do that. I will call you by your first name, like I do with normal people. You don't greet anybody with pronouns outside of this goofy, backwards, mostly molested community that's never addressed their problems. And part of the reason why the suicide rate is so high it's because they demand the world plays make-believe. And now the world is caving in. I mean, look at Fox News right here. Using preferred pronouns instead of actual biological pronouns. And again, Fox is purposely controlled opposition. So they're California Republicans at most. You have Tucker. So when I say I watch Fox, it's like, no, I watch Tucker and occasionally Gutfield. But I think Gutfield's kind of a pussy because of the Derek Chauvin stuff. Anyway. That's my argument. Trans people just don't exist, and we're sitting here pretending and playing make-believe with this shit. And as a society, with the amount of mental illness and unaddressed trauma, I think it would be more beneficial that if, as a society, we push back on the notion of trans identity and all this bullshit. But with Bud Light saying, oh yeah, celebrating 365 days of girlhood, you are affirming a mental illness. There is no other 
uh, condition in the world where we would say affirm when it comes to body mutilation. We cho- we call it chopping off tits and chopping off dicks aff- like affirming surgery. It's not. It's body mutilation. To me, it's no different than if somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, this left hand of mine, it sure is swollen all and it functions properly, but I identify as someone who doesn't have a left hand. So I'm going to go chop my functioning, perfectly fine left hand off. We would stop that person. We would be like, hold on, you you need help. There's something wrong with you. But when it comes to this even more dire medical procedure, oh, actually, they're kind of comparable, but still. We're, we we can we affirm air quotes affirm one, but condemn the other one rightfully. They both should be condemned, especially when it comes to involving children. That's my real beef with this. I don't care what you want to identify as. You won't make me recognize you as that thing, and you absolutely have the right to do whatever the fuck you want to your body. You do not have the right to target, manipulate, and groom and butcher children. However, that's where you do not have the right. And any parents who would be for this, they need to be investigated immediately because that's child mutilation if they actually have this identity they'll spend their whole life grow up and immediately get the surgery done when they turn 18 and i will not give a flying fuck as long as tax dollars are not going towards it and we are not forced to recognize them as this made made up gender that's my stance on it and on twitter sorry on rumble i get a little bit of pushback from people on that and there's i'm always surprised when i see that but on rumble people are like hell yeah then again, I'll say other shit like pro-Trump shit, and the Rumble crowd will be like, man, fuck you. Or, or the Rumble crowd will be like, yay, but the bitch you crowd will say, fuck you. And the podcast fronts are all quiet. Let's continue. In an Instagram post, Mulvaney said that the cans were his, already read that. Previously, the company said in a Fox statement, occasionally gives gifts, and Heiser Bush works with that, public spokesperson, uh, celebrate, milestone. Let's move on. The Gay Night. Sir Gaylord. Now, Anheuser-Busch has also suffered a financial hit during the controversy. Jeff Fitter, owner of Case and Bucks, a restaurant and sports bar in Barnhart, Missouri, told Fox Business earlier in the week that sales of Anheuser-Busch bottled products have dropped 30% in the past week, and draft beer has dropped 50%. Now, Anheuser-Busch has lost somewhere in the neighborhood about $7, million, $7 billion dollars over just about a week now and we really need to wait for two more financial quarters to come by so we can really have a better assessment of what's going on with the uh back with the boycott because some outlets are saying that oh well well, they're they're having a bounce back but all the outlets have like mixed to low factuality they're like cnn msnbc and shit like that and i'm like yeah there's a political incentive for them to say it's bad whereas me i'm sitting here with more of a culture war standpoint on it so I want the backlash to continue. I'm going to refresh. Okay. I, I don't know what's going on with this area down here. But it seems to be the end of it. So let's scroll down here to the first three comments. Chuck4084, quote, We are in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Then stay away from controversial subjects. As CEO, he is responsible for shareholder value. And by choosing to align with a group that represents a fraction of a 1% of the population instead of the vast majority of his of a vast majority of his shareholders, he has abdicated his responsibility. Can't wait for the shareholders' lawsuit to begin. Absolutely. 
will never understand why people running co corporations feel it necessary to wade into the murky water of politics, offer a good product at a fair price, and we will buy it. Uh, consumers are not interested in your opinions. That's why I drink a lot of Red Bull. Uh, fun fact about Red Bull. Uh, Red Bull America had its own CEO, and she got super... She was the first female CEO of Red Bull, because, you know, that's always a big deal. Well, she also got fired within the first nine months of her fucking job. Um... Because she started getting political, posting, like, BLM shit on the cans, and the actual CEO of, of Red Bull got in on it. Well, the CEO of Ball, uh, Bali, or whatever the fuck. So this, the CEO of Bali is also the guy who founded Red Bull. Anyway, he turned around and fired her and said, we do energy drinks. Not politics, not commentary. You're fired. And now he runs the entire Western division of Red Bull. And uh, that's what I'm drinking right now. Hmm. If you're a long-time listener, you know I drink a lot of Red Bull. <laughs> it's killing me. Uh, and and that was by Marxist Motel. <laughs> Base take from a weird name. And Think It Through 90 says, If that is the business they are in, that would make a great marketing campaign, but the entire trans thing right now is not about acceptance or unity. It's about picking a fight and accusing anyone who disagrees with you of some form of ism. Don't forget the obic phobic part, and it is about teaching and gr teachers grooming children. They are there are a share a bud. Uh, let's see, there are a lot of ways to have a share a bud light campaign that would make sense with people handing each other beer and sharing a smile. But as a business, you do not need to be on the bleeding edge of social change. Oh, what the hell is this, Fox? Okay. I don't know what's going on with, with Fox's website, but it's glitching out real bad. Let's see. Okay, like Campaign Bleeding Edge. As for Bud Light being a frat beer, well, it does taste like water. It is, it is training beer for hot summer days. I prefer something a little bit crisper. And for anything else, I prefer a bit more taste. But my favorite beer is the one someone hands me. Now, here, this is a bit of an anecdotal thing. I, uh, someone I know, they're, uh, they have a grandparent who drinks, who was drinking nothing besides Bud Light forever, like 50 plus years of just drinking Bud Light. That was like the main go-to for this guy. And now he's in like his late 80s, early 90s, and he switched beers. <laughs> he's been like a, a lifetime loyalist to this beer practically, and he's just switching beers on him. It's great. It's kind of funny. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but it is a bit of an interesting subtle switch. So let's hop over here. Oh, nope. Come back to that one. No one at senior level of Bud Light knew of Dylan Mulvaney's ad campaign. See, this is the other article that, that came out. Like, this story was coming out like right before the Anheuser-Busch uh, CEO came out and said anything. The Bud Light CEOs knew nothing. Like, the people who Anheuser-Busch put in charge of Bud Light, they, they were like, oh, we didn't know about this, which I do not fucking believe. They are getting ready to throw this vice president bitch up under the bus right quick. The one who was like, I want to break away from a fratty culture. She's going to get thrown under the bus real hard. But here's the thing. Don't expect her to go away. There's tons of, like, woke ESG companies that are eager to hire her. And you know what? Let them. She's great for this because it crashes the shit, and I and I like it. So, 
This is from Ariel Zilber. We'll get into this one. And we will get into how the CEO of uh, Bush, uh, of Anheuser-Busch, is actually a Fed. We will get into that, but that requires its own episode. Let's see, moving down. Social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney has ignited speculation that top executives at corporate parent Anheuser-Busch may have been blindsided by the tie-up when it was revealed, quote, no one at a senior level was aware that this was happening. An unnamed source told the Daily Wire, a conservative-leaning news site. So is the unnamed sources, so I'm dubious. Marketing executives at Bud's parent company, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, have allegedly paused additional campaigns so they can implement more robust vetting processes for future projects, according to the report. The act... Uh, the accuracy of the report, which comes despite the fact that Bud Light has publicly stood behind its partnership with Mulvaney, couldn't immediately be confirmed. That's why I don't believe this story. Uh, and if they are actually saying they were blindsided, they weren't. They're getting ready to fire this chick. This uh, Heiner shit, or Heiner shite lady. The Post has sought comments from Anheuser-Busch. Quote, some of the low-level marketing staff who helps manage the hundreds of influencer engagements, they must have thought it was, a, was no big deal, according to an unnamed source cited by the Daily Wire. Again, this is just such a big thing. Like, you made these custom cans. I just, I just can't imagine that no one at a higher level sat back and let this happen. This bitch, what's her name? Hold on. Elisa, Elisa Heinerschid. Heinerschit is what actually is how it's pronounced in German, Heinerschit. But she was the vice president of Bud Light's marketing. She had only had that job for a year and a half, and she had the ability to sign off on this shit. No one was standing over her. Not one person caught that. I just don't buy it. That just does not compute well with me. Maybe I'm just sitting here and I can't comprehend the idea of a lazy fucking marketing team letting some goofy bitch take over everything. Maybe that's just me. But there's no way no one in the higher area had no idea that this was happening. Obviously, it's a quote, obviously it was a shame and it's a shame or obviously it was and it's a shame because they have a well-earned reputation for just being America's beer. Not a political company. Well, congratulations. You turned beer drinkers into a voting group. Hope you're proud of yourself. The source reportedly added it was a mistake. The Daily Wire also cited a tweet from conservative influencer Rogan O'Handley, who claimed to have spoken to sources who said that C-suit, uh, okay, that C-suit executives inside the company were angered over marketing deal with Mulvaney. Alyssa Heinerschid, the vice president of marketing, told the Make Yourself at Home podcast last week she wanted to transform Bud Light's brand. Quote, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And you didn't take over Bud Light. You're vice president, cunt. Know your place. Get back in the kitchen. Anyway, it, it, and it was, this brand is in decline, and it's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light, Heiner Sheed said. Now, here's the thing. Bud Light was actually approaching, like, all-time high sales leading up to this fucking controversy. So that's just factually not fucking true. Oh, well. Oh, well. She also 
condemned the company's previous brand, saying, We had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of -of out-of-touch humor, and it was really important that we had another approach, says the woman who participated in all the Harvard frat parties and got passed around like a blunt at Snoop Dogg's birthday. Right. Yeah, don't look her up on any of those uh, fun web adult websites, boys. You might find something. Allegedly. Jokingly. I didn't confirm that rumor. Heinerschild's comments and his partnership with Dylan Mulvaney have garnered backlash with the company remaining quiet while many are protesting Anheuser-Busch's products. Quote, Anheuser-Busch works with hundreds of influencers across our brands. We've already read that. Moving on. From time to time, we've read that. General and public. Mulvaney, a TikTok star with more than a hundred with more than ten million followers, posted a video promoting the brand's March Madness contest, offering customers a chance to win fifteen thousand dollars. In the Instagram footage, the contest creator is dressed like Audrey Hepburn's character in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mickey Rooney's finest role. As she cracks as he fuck. He cracks open a Bud Light can and takes a sip. This month, I celebrated my 365th day of delude I mean womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it, Mulvaney said in a video noting his year-end milestone of transitioning. Another video featured the activist drinking a can in his bathtub as part of the campaign. Conservatives slammed the campaign ad and panned the company's decision to partner with trans activists. They claimed the beer making uh, the beer maker was pushing gender agenda, gender propaganda. Absolutely, they were. Now, oh really? That came out drugs, right? Just gonna guess. Aaron Carter died from drugs. That being said, we're going to wrap this episode of Inside Four Walls up here. And I've been your James Mass, and we're going to keep following this as it unfolds. We have another episode coming out right after this, all about how Anheuser Bush's top CEO is actually a fucking fed. So stay tuned for that coming up next on Inside Four Walls with me, your host, James Masson. Please leave any counter-arguments or things you may have missed in the description below. You guys are always giving me new stories to look into, and I greatly appreciate having such a... Uh, engaged and well-informed audience that's always expanding my knowledge so thank you guys so much for this and also i'm gonna give a shout out to somebody real quick and to uh marion delgado stop being a fag you pussy no you bud okay guys i'll catch y'all later peace Of course he's got a knife.
can't talk about the same thing twice. Yeah. Because I'm different. I am offended Yeah, that Dylan's on the can. Mm -hmm. For one reason. He's not representing trans women. Mm -hmm. He's not. He's, an, he's a performance actor. He's in woman face. Mm -hmm. That's like you trying to tell me it's cool if someone painted their face black and was put them on the face of the can of Bud Light and tell me, well, he's representing black. No, it's not. I am offended. Mm -hmm. Women should be offended. Men should be offended. These are our mothers that are being made... To be made fun of, like we're stupid, women are stupid and dumb and bubbly. That's not a trans woman. Mm -hmm. That's not Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner lives her life as a woman and not at the expense of other women. Yeah. She just wants to privately be who she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And she has every right to do that. And I will drink a keg, a beer with Caitlyn Jenner anytime, any place. But this is blackface and it's wrong. There you go. That is going to be on my bucket list. What's that? Getting wasted with Kate, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> I can make the call. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, well, let's go and just do a whole weekend of getting wasted. We'll golf. I never said anything about drinking with you. Oh. I said Kate. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. Unnecessary. Because he talks and he does 20 minutes of, should I go, should I stay? <laughs> does my driver like me? Does he not like me? I can't do that again. All right. Hello? Just a bad night, huh? You know what? Take this lip balm, this copy of uh, Tongue and Cheeks, and these batteries for my watch. Tongue and what? Copy of Tongue and Cheeks. Oh, porno. Lip service, um, rear ended, nuts and bolts. Uh. Where do we keep Tongue and Cheeks? What? Tongue and Cheeks. This guy wants porno. It's okay, just give me whatever. Check under the counter, that's where we keep all the really weird sh Jim? Jim Scott? Hey, hey, Heather. Hi, uh, I haven't seen you since prom. Here's I your tongue and cheeks. Whoa, it's, it's for a friend, I, I don't read those. I do, I read the hell out of them. When I'm done, it looks like it's gone through a paper shredder. This month, you get a free copy of Pink Slips with your tongue and cheeks. It's a bit more upscale. That's a, that's a bonus. And this pocket Nice. Or a 12-inch free. Just, just the magazine. Careful with that. Just, just the magazine. Free. Just put the magazines in the back. You're going to need a safe word, and it shouldn't be more. In the, just the mags in the back. But get the free pack. That way you save money. Last two pages are recipes. A lot of people don't even get that far. Have fun. Hey, if you're not going to take that free c you think I can have it? You never have enough. It's all yours, bro. Nobody move! Or the porno guy gets it! It's not mine. It's for a friend. Yeah, right. downtown where local porno buyer Jim Scott has been taken hostage along with his pornography you mean national TV reactions from Jim's mother after the break marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that I'm gay just in case you've never seen it, but that'd be hard to do. Um, I'm going to post the very first video that I ever posted on social media. That video went viral over 800 million views. That's when we stopped counting that video outlined 
the tip of the iceberg of what ESG is and why it's so dangerous to our nation. I was called crazy, a crackpot, and so on, but, but it's come full circle. You see, after they took all the faces of color off of products, now they're putting new faces on those products. One of the things you may not be aware of is that every brand that you use in this country, and I do mean every brand you use in this country, from Coca-Cola to Kentucky Fried Chicken to Kroger, are owned by six companies. So when they determine that, hey, they're going to erase something and they're moving in a different direction, there's nothing going to stop them. They work in um, unison with each other. Yep, they're all, they've all agreed to the ESG pact. So when they decide that, hey, we don't want masculine men on our packaging and we don't want to market masculine men and we don't want effeminate women, but we don't, we don't want real women on packaging, guess what happens? They disappear. And you get this. And just to be clear, ESG is not a conservative ideology. It's a liberal ideology, a leftist ideology. The ideology that says we can do this. Over the last year, liberals have been hell-bent to take any person of color off of all branding in every store in the United States, saying that it's, it's racist, that their faces are being used to sell a product, and that makes it racist. Or that it was from the past, that makes it racist. Yet, they've left every white face alone. They haven't gone after one product that has a white face on it and called it racist as well. So now we have stores with no people of color represented on any branding, but all the white people are still there. Liberals are no different than they've ever been. Their tactics may have been different, but they don't want people of color anywhere they go, even on the packaging of the products they buy. This is a story about a horse. Well, it was actually a cat born in a horse's body. It was trans-feline. And uh, it lived in Texas, you know, where everybody's racist and transphobic and feline-phobic. So they didn't believe it. They're all like, oh, you're a horse. You can't be a cat, whatever. But, like, seriously, this, this horse would, like... I mean, cat would, like, lick its genitals when company was over and try to hide under the couch. Like, do, like, real cat shit. But it had, like, this huge 15-inch horse dick. And, and he wanted to get his dick cut off and turn into a pussy. Like a pussy pussy. Uh, they wouldn't do it in Texas because they're like, you need parental consent. But this horse's mom was shot because it was a racehorse and broke its leg, whatever. So it had to trot all the way to New York City where they're like, sure, we'll cut your dick off or your kid's tits or whatever. Just like, we believe you. Believe all horses or cats or whatever because they're accepting in New York and vaccinated, by the way. Do the right thing. Get the booster. But if you're a straight white dude, this beer ain't for you no more. You out-of-touch racist. Anheuser-Busch Company. Please drink responsibly and cut your kid's dick off if they ask you to. Believe all kids. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but my favorite uh, beer is Bud Light. When you drink this beer, you immediately become a homosexual. So tonight, <laughs> tonight for you guys, I am a straight male. But after I take a sip of this, I am going to become a homosexual. So let's just see if this. And you guys want one oh, too? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please. We're, We're just going to try this test. What right. end do you put it in? Uh -oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I might rub it on my. I just I for just a good luck, yeah, I'm gonna just, just for a little luck, I'm okay. gonna rub it on there to warm it up. Okay, okay. Good, good, all right. Good, good. So let's try this. Let's see. Oops. This is now the does Bud Light make you gay test? Here we go. Cheers, cheers, boys. Oh, that is so delicious. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, that is so good. This I makes me want to suck some dick. I finally understand rent. Oh my god, I want to go. I finally understand rent. Oh my god, I'm like four times more likely to molest a kid. Oh my gosh, I'm so gay right now. What about your dicks? I want to suck on them. <laughs> I love this gay beer. This is fun. Oh I my just, god. I just wish it was thicker. That's all. It's not thick oh enough. Oh my gosh, mm. I want just a big black Johnson right down my throat to chase this down with. Wouldn't that be good? Just a little hard. I on? just wish there was a tranny on the can. That would move well, you more at home. Look
Look, I'm on the can now. Look, there I'm on the can. Look, 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 I'm on the can. Look, look how gay this is. Look, I'm, I'm, this is taking me so gay that I'm actually having anal sex <laughs> with a Bud Light. Y'all never seen that. You've never seen somebody actually have sex. This is gay sex with a Bud Light. So take that, Dylan Mulvaney. Too bad you cut off your dick and you can't jam it in a Bud okay. Light anymore. But let me tell you something. This is delicious. I'm gay as hell, and I freaking love it. Dylan Mulvaney um, should mm. use the Bud Light can to dilate. Well... Do you know, that's another thing, actually, on a serious note. If you didn't Ooh, know this. Note. Know, oh, good, because we could stop drinking. Yeah, we could stop drinking right? this. Okay, okay, this, is here, this is crap here. Bro, we don't want to drink this, this crap. Pour this up. If you it's drink there. this shit, you are gay. No, no Bud Light on set. We hate this. It's okay if it gets on the cameraman. If you drink this gay-ass beer, you're going to wake up with a dick in your butt. All right, so. I think I figured out why he has the office he has. But my yeah. favorite, though, is that Dylan Mulvaney came out and was, like, getting this deal with Bud Light, and suddenly people were like, I'm boycotting Bud Light. And my only reaction was, you've been drinking Bud Light this whole time? Like, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. You. Let me wash out the taste with Monster. That's a way more straight drink. Mm. Well, I can't read the prompter. What the fucking glasses suck! Everything sucks! I can't read a damn thing! This, and then I wear this mask! This is my COVID-19 mask! And you know what? They don't fucking like this mask! Sometimes I'm trying to do a goddamn show sometimes and I'm breaking stuff. It's just difficult. It's just stressful. Wow. And now I'm drunk as shit. <laughs> now I'm fucking wasted. I'm gay as shit. The Bud Light really turned him into a violent gay. Yes. Very, very violent, violent gay. Yeah, why yeah. do I want more Bud Light? I need more Bud Light. No, no, please let I me please go. No more. Ooh, let don't, me get a little gay. Ooh, let me get a little. No. Ooh, you like that? Look at That's that. a Bud Light Ooh, facial. That I don't think you what should be that. No. Ooh, what is that on my lips? Alex. Ooh. Alex. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's real good. Well, you've just been hired to the Biden cabinet. Now, let's go learn a little. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, I went from one recording right to this one. Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. My name is James Madison, yada, yada, yada. Let's find out about the Fed that runs America's beer company, shall we? The $12 million a year registered Republican CEO of Anheuser-Busch, all-American Bud Light boss, 46-year-old and Iron Man, who broke silence on Dylan Mulvaney controversy, gave up medical training to join Marines, was CIA spy handler, and then won Harvard Place. Jesus Christ. Let's find out about this interesting fucking glow, shall we? Brendan Whitworth, 46 years old, joined Anheuser-Busch in 2013 and worked his way up to become CEO in July 2021. Convenient time for certain administrations. I'd like to push the message onto people. Am I, am, I, am I wrong? Joe Biden's all the way down with the trans frown, bro. And then instantly the CEO who allows us to kick off now. I'm being a little hyperbolic in this connection, of course, but I do find the timing a bit convenient. He studied at Bucknell University in Pennsylvania. Mm. Pennsylvania colleges and the Biden administration, they'll also go hand in hand, don't they? Intending to follow his doctor's his doctor father's footsteps, but joined the Marines in 1998 and served three years. Whitworth joined the CIA in 2001. Oh, hmm, interesting year to join. Working to recruit and handle spies in D.C., Pakistan. Hmm. Gee, I wonder uh, after 2020, after 2001, what we were doing in Pakistan, boys. Any guesses? Uh, 
Tanissa and Iraq. Ooh, I wonder what we're doing in Iraq a little after 2021. Any ideas, guys? Before going to Harvard Business School. Uh, article by Harriet Alexander for the Daily Mail, published originally on the 14th of April, updated on the 15th of April of this year, which is 2023 for future listeners. When the oh, when the CEO of Anheuser-Busch interviews pro, uh, prospective recruiters to the world's biggest brewing uh, conglomerate, he has a favorite question, quote, Tell me about a time that you didn't succeed or things didn't go as planned. He likes to ask. That is not a bad question to ask if you're hiring somebody, actually. That's a good one. And it's like, and, and how'd you handle it? And why didn't things work out? I'm just saying, interesting. If Brendan Whitworth ever finds himself asked ask the same question, he now has plenty of material to draw on. Whitmer, or Whitworth, 46, has seen his biggest brand, Bud Light, engulfed in a firestorm of controversy since they teamed up with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney on April 1st. Mulvaney was issued with his own special edition of cans of beer to mark his transitioning from male to female, a move that Bud Light enra- that a move that enraged Bud Light drinkers and saw six billion over six billion knocked off of the value of Anheuser Busch. Factories across the United States were even hit with bomb threats amid the uh, the fear fear Anyway, yeah, those bomb threats always glow in the dark to me, especially when you consider who this guy is and his background as we learn about it. Yeah, I'm sure the bomb threats are fucking natural events. Oh, let me turn off my notification sounds. Boop, boop. Uh, Uversion Bible app. Highly recommend. Anyway, Brendan Whitworth, 46, has been CEO of Anheuser-Busch. We already read that. Way down here. Oh, this great video of this spastic, mentally ill person in the shower. By the way, no one moves like this. These are like the sporadic, fucking, spazzy fucking movements of a mentally ill person. This is not what normal women do. This is like female blackface equivalent. Oh, by the way, if you've eaten recently, don't watch this part. Drinking this Red Bull keeps me based. Doesn't this seem like a psyop? Does it? Does it feel like this is like some weird CIA? fucking plant type deal like i swear to god in like 60 years when i'm an old man on my deathbed if i make it that long without being brain chipped and deep fried bro swear to god they're gonna declassify some shit this is part of like a new mk ultra performing on on, on the american people watch mark my words also why is the bathtub inside a tissue box what is with that freeze? This see, this is It is not a time to Oh. Dylan Mulvaney hits back at critics of Bud Light campaign. You know what? Fuck it. Let's since this is on topic, we'll hear this too. You know, sit idle. I started my transition just a year ago, publicly. I had been taking hormones before that. I'd come out to my family and friends, but I have watched it get so much worse 
as my timeline has gone on. And it's been very kind of odd to compare the two, uh, my transition as well as all this anti-trans legislation simultaneously. And the reason that I think I am so, um, I'm an easy target is because I'm still new to this. I think going after a trans woman that's been doing this for like 20 years is a lot more difficult. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Actually, for the people listening to the compilation, I'm so sorry you're hearing this again. That's pretty easy. Uh, No one's going after you because you're new. People aren't even specifically going after you. You are just the, uh, how do I put this? You're just the biggest zit. You're just the biggest, pussiest fucking pox on the ass of humanity. So you're getting, like, you know, special attention. You ever seen Trailer Park Boys? You're that dude's gut. It's like everybody's looking at your fucking gut, dude. It's all anybody can fucking think about. It's not because you're new to the game or anything. It's because of what you represent. The, the rot, the social decay, the fact that you have 10 million followers. And it's not a jealousy thing. I don't care. I've fucking... I don't... Whatever on that front. It means nothing to me. But the fact that there are 10 million people, mostly kids, by the way, watching Dylan Mulvaney. And we're going off TikTok, so how much of that is actually bots and Chinese, like, you know, watch farms? You know, eh. Anyway. The fact that you even did this or you saw that there was a way to get famous and you knew you could get famous doing this shows one level of social decay. You going through this transitioning just to get famous and do this ridiculous fucking Sambo-esque female performance. Um, You know, you're basically mocking an entire gender, which, you know... No, I'm not one to shit on you for that. I mock them too, but... I'm not trying to profit in the same way you are. I don't pretend to be a chick and then mock them. I just mock them from more of a biological standpoint. Same way I mock you. But I say this like Dylan's ever going to listen to this podcast. Now, the fact that you have the 100 million, as I said, is one sign uh, of the decay that you represent. You going through these procedures where you, by the way, no bottom surgery. You just had like surgery to make so you didn't grow as much facial hair and you had some, like, cheek work. I honestly can't tell the difference between your old face and your new one. Whatever on that front. But that's another sign of social decay. The fact that Bud Light wanted to affirm you and give you this special can. Now, Bud Light didn't put this on their main timeline. They put this on... Dylan Mulvaney is the only reason we found out about these cans' existences. But then we found out through Bud Light, uh, like, whatever, that Dylan Mulvaney was a brand ambassador. And then that went from there. That's another sign of social decay and rot. Um, it, again, uh, I think what we're starting to see here is more of an antibody response. It's delayed. But society is having a pseudo-antibody response to this uh, widespread thing. Now, some people, sure, uh, you know, oh, but Kid Rock and all these musicians and people I like are, are boycotting, so I'm boycotting too. doesn't matter. Honestly. It's still an antibody response. It's delayed as hell, but, you know, it's here. So people aren't targeting you because you're new. It's because of every bit of societal decay that you represent is on full display. And now you're the the attention of the entire world, well, at least of the culture war world right now. And so I think maybe <laughs> they think there's some sort of chance with me that they can. But what is their goal? First- what are you so angry about? Oh, wow. Bear. Let's just let this go then. 
does not have a, I mean, it's not a Democrat or a Republican. It doesn't have, it doesn't have a belief system. Actually, because Bud Light does this, they do inherently have a political belief system. The right slash conservative, mainly the conservative view of it, is you cannot change your gender. The right, as a, almost as a political viewpoint here, believe. One massive chunk of this country on the right believes that you cannot transition, and I'm with them on that one. But the anti-trans policies and being against, you know, drag queen story hour and all that shit, that's a right-leaning slash right-wing topic. That is a political topic. Bud Light getting involved, Anheuser-Busch getting involved, or Transheiser-Busch getting involved, putting Dylan on a can, and putting on the can celebrating 365 days of girlhood. Not womanhood, by the way. Girlhood. And you look at how Dylan dresses, like, as a child. Girlhood takes on a whole creepy fucking meaning here. But, when Bud Light decides to say, hey, we recognize you as transitioning, we're celebrating your successful transition, they have taken a political stance that the left is all on board with, and the right is not on board with. Beer has made itself political. They have made beer drinkers a fucking voting block. It's a little wild. So, Whoopi, you're fucking retarded. System, it's just <laughs> beer! And no amount of beer could make you fuckable, unfortunately. Okay, look, uh, on that front, two things. One, yeah, if you went out and you bought Bud Light just to destroy it, that's cringy as hell. That's as cringy as old school fundamentalist right buying NWA and ICP records and burning them. It's retarded. Now, the issue is... Stats and sales records do not seem to indicate that people bought Bud Light to destroy it. It seems to show that people already had the Bud Light pre-controversy, and they destroyed what they had. And when you consider how much money a lot of people have made off of monetizing their videos of destroying this beer-slash-free advertising they've gotten off of this, no, they've actually succeeded in a, in a, in a lot of different ways. Plus, people are getting promoted all the time, like... I always throw in a bunch of the videos of people destroying their Bud Light or Bud Light memes after my videos. Like, after this one's over, there's going to be a ton of memes in it. So, whoopee, you're fucking retarded. Again, and whoever that co-star chick is is fucking retarded, too. Um, yeah. Aw. And we'll end right here. Just a palate cleanser. Grandpa's feeling a little frisky today. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear uh, and concise as possible. Actually, could you repeat that for me? Please? Bud Light and Heiser Bush. Oh, okay. Have a terrific day. Loud and clear. Moving on. See? Cheers to 365 days of being a woman, or whatever the fuck it says around the corner. Ah, our responsibility to America. As CEO of a company founded in America's heartland, more than 165 years ago, I am responsible for ensuring every consumer feels proud of the beer that we brew. 
We're honored to be part of the fabric of this great country. Added that great accidentally. Trans House of Bush employees employs more than 18,000 people. And our independent distributors employ, mo- employ an additional 47,000 valued colleagues. <coughs> we have thousands of partners, millions of fans, and a proud history of supporting our communities, military first responders, sports fans, and hard-working Americans everywhere. We never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. Bullshit. We are in the business of bringing people together over beer. So you guys delved into it very... Everyone knows how controversial this topic is. So you delved into a very culturally controversial topic. Take a very broad stance on it. Even if it, you higher-ups didn't know, which I don't fucking believe. A vice president cannot just... Oh, a, a new, brand new to the job vice president cannot just okay this printing of a can without anyone on a higher level being like, oh, what you do recently? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, no. No, no, no. They're just gearing up to fire this bitch. I bet. I put money on it right now. Not much because I'm kind of broke with a busted ass foot. So, um, anyway. No, no, no. You very much meant to get in on a conversation that divided people. You just thought because of everything going, even if they did this during Pride Month, there would be significant backlash, but it would be half of the backlash. Why? Because it's kind of expected. You know, so much Pride Month every year has just numbed us to it to the point where we don't care as much. We're, we're annoyed by it. We roll our eyes and fucking groan. But ultimately, people might buy the gay can a Bud Light. We'll see. But no, you rolled it out early. And on top of that, you affirmed the idea that you can transition from one gender to the next, which is scientifically impossible. And the right has been saying that forever. And... Anheuser-Busch just assumed that, well, you know, the left seems pretty culturally dominant right now. Let's just get in on it. They they picked what seemed like an easy side to be on the side of, and they got their shit wrecked. And they're not liking it. They're not doing well with it. They're not coping. They're just seething. And people are like, well, you're so sensitive. You, you're you so mad about what they put on put on a can. You're, you're, you're the snowflake. Dog. No, we're not. You literally doxed and harassed. Give me a minute. Doxed and harassed people for playing Harry Potter or Hogwarts Legacy or whatever the fuck it's called. The amount of cancel culture from the left has run deep. And I'm someone who has always said, hey, play other old game. They can ballot harvest, ballot harvest. I've been saying that since like 2020, a little bit before, man, maybe. And now the rest are starting to come around to it. So, yeah, use their weapon against it. Get so good at their tactics that they abandon them. That's what you got to do. Kind of like ballot harvesting. Get so good at ballot harvesting, they demand it becomes illegal to do. And then they lose that tool. And you gain a benefit. And then left wants to do cancel culture? Fine. Get in on it. And here's why. You know what the difference is, ideally, between you and them? Is you stop when they've learned their lesson. That should be the key difference here. The left? The other? Whatever the fuck you want to do right here? Yeah, I'm kind of othering them. I'm admitting that right now. The left that drives cancel culture, that drives the culture war in this country... They can't sit here and then turn around and make you feel bad for using their tactics against them. Be like, yeah, what you gonna do about it? 
you going to argue the facts or are you just going to point out that I'm using your tactics against you? And watch them fucking writhe. It's what you got to do. It's the only way to beat them. And when they go, oh, well, I see what you're doing. Don't you think it's wrong? It's like, well, no. Aren't you kind of admitting that it's wrong yourself by saying that? Shouldn't you be happy that I, I'm starting to agree with you? Yeah, ballot harvesting is a useful tool. We should use it. By you saying, well, I thought you said it was wrong. Well, the fact that you're not saying, yeah, let's see who wins, shows that you're more scared of us getting in on it than us trying to pass laws against it. So that's why you need to use their fucking tools against them. Break their fucking toys. So I've been saying for years. And stop once they've learned their lessons. Stop once you've won. It's part of why I think the heads of the left, uh, he- the heads of the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, like 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 the figureheads, like the Pelosi's, the Sanders, uh, like like the Sanders and McConnells are so bad, and like the Grams are so fucking bad, is because they were all these hippie movement types back in the '60s, right? And then they're part of like the peace and love movement that extended into the '70s too through like drug culture. They hated the system. They wanted to get in on it. Now they got into the system and they took over. They never really realized they won. And they and maybe some of them did. Who knows? But they just were like, well, it's over. There's no winning. There's no taking over. There's no beating the system. We better grab everything we can while the Titanic sinks. So they grab up all the silverware and they just wait for the ship to sink. They gave up fighting for it. Or they never realized that they were in the position to win in the first place. And that's a very forgiving theory to put on them. I can't remember who I got that from originally. Because it's not my original theory. I think it might be... Oh, God. I heard so long ago. It was a much deeper... uh, If I can ever remember, I'll put a link to it in the description. Moving on. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Everywhere, people. (laughs) My time serving this country taught me the importance of accountability and the values upon which America was founded. Freedom, hard work, and respect for one another. As CEO of Trans High of the Bush... I am focused on building and protecting our remarkable history and heritage. I care deeply about this country, this company, and our brands, and our partners. I spent much of my life traveling, most most of my time traveling across America, listening and learning from our customers, distributors, and others. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great bears to customers across our nation. Dipshit CEO of Dipshit Beer Incorporated. Whitworth on Friday issued a statement declaring we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We're in the business of bringing people together with beer. Are you really just going to quote it? We just read it. Thanks, boss. Moving on. The decision to team up with Mulvaney was reportedly made by low by a low-level marketing executive, but that has not stopped with uh, Whitworth and his vice president of marketing for Bud Light, Alyssa Heinerschid, from facing a torrent of criticism. Yet few are better positioned to draw on a lifetime of challenge of challenging situations than Whit- Whitworth. An all-American hero. Fuck off. A trainee doctor who joined the Marines, where he was a star athlete and the CIA. See, all that credit gets thrown away as soon as you get to the CIA, as far as I'm concerned. Recruiting and handling spies across the Middle East before going to Harvard Business School. 
Whitworth has lived across the United States and has been a registered Republican for most of his life. Doesn't mean shit to me. He's a uniparty player. Go fuck himself. Fed. 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 Quote. I felt fortunate. I felt fortunate to have been born in the United States. He said, quote, I felt like I needed to pay that back. Like I had a bit of a indebtedness that I needed to pay. Whitworth grew up in Applecoast Woods? Applecoast Woods? Area just outside Wilmington, Delaware. Oh, God. Hey, look, another similarity to Joe Biden. Weird how these things just seem to keep happening, right? He attended Sales Salem School, a Catholic high school in Wilmington, and graduated in 1994, having led the school's soccer team to win the state championship. He was also fiendishly academic, earning straight A's in honor pre-calculus. <laughs> but not in marketing, I guess. I know he's like 18 in this photo, but god damn, he looks like he's 25 right here. Right here. Likes to bike. Another Joe Biden similarity. Moving on. Woodworth then decided to follow in his father's footsteps and study medicine, attending Bucknell University in Pennsylvania. College in Pennsylvania. Similarities. Yet, midway through his college career, he had a he had a change of heart. Having always admired military and government service, he decided he wanted to join the Marines, attending Office Cadet School, Officer Cadet School, and being commissioned as a lieutenant in his senior year. His grandfather worked at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So let's slap some fucking nepotism into this one. His daddy was a fucking glow too. Runs in the family. Serving under President Hoover. Oh! Before running the training in Quantico, Virginia. So his daddy was not just a fed. His daddy made feds. His daddy was queen fed. Quote, That's where the kind of attachment to serving the country came from. And abusing and neglecting Americans and trampling all over the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and shitting all over your civil rights and liberties. It runs in my blood. Now give me a gun, bitch. I ain't got no warrant. I don't need it. Quote, that's where the kind of attachment to the country comes from, Whitworth set, uh, told Fox News in, October, in an October interview. By the age of 25, Whitworth, six foot, uh, six foot two and 185 pounds, was, that guy's built was stationed at Camp Pendleton in California and making headlines as an Ironman, which is a, a runner. He ran the Marine Corps Marathon in remarkable two hours and 55 minutes. That's not bad, actually. That's really good. And the following year qualified for the Ironman World Championship, an ultra-triathlon held annually in Hawaii. Woodworth did not take up his place, however. By then, he had decided to leave the Marines after two after three years and join the CIA. Ugh. In the aftermath of 9/11, from 20 uh, from 2001 to 2006, Whitworth worked in some of the toughest spots around the globe at the height of the war on terror: Pakistan, Tunisia, uh, and Iraq. He killed so many brown people because of George Bush's lies. Aren't you proud of him? 
aren't you proud that that he killed a bunch of brown people that had nothing to do with the World Trade Center coming down or anything at all to do with that? They're just a bunch of brown people, and we were just trying to set, like, you know, give us your oil type shit. There was no weapons of mass destruction, a million dead Iraqis. Aren't you proud of him? He's a good guy. Bunch of dead brown kids, blood all over his hands. He's a good guy. Drink his beer. You know what? He's an American hero, actually. Drink his beer. Go fuck yourself, war criminal. His LinkedIn description uh, describes his role as special, specialized in the recruitment and handling of human resources with access to vital intelligence that prevented and disrupted terrorist threats. So spies. You, 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 you handled spies. You were king spy. And your daddy was a fucking FBI fed, was a fucking FBI dude under Hoover. So like King Fed under President Fed. Nah, nah, nah. Ew, go fuck yourself. His family were proud, but worried. His older sister, Kelty, what a weird name, an all-American swimmer at Yearsline uh, Academy in Delaware who then went to Harvard, told him it was time to get out. Quote, While she appreciated what I had been doing, she, as any protective sibling would be, was constantly saying, Okay, you've done eight years now. What do you think about prioritizing yourself? I think you should have gone on the planned uh, trip with the American Sniper and that one veteran who's in the back seat that day. In Minecraft. In Minecraft. I forgot. The Restrictions Act. In Minecraft. You can't joke anymore, guys. In Minecraft, at least. I'm going to start doing that. In Minecraft. Whitworth described his sister as being a strong, well-grounded opinion. That's a weird that's a weird statement in his life. He reluctantly agreed with her, but on the condition that he would only leave if he got into Harvard, like her. Oh, I'm sure with the amount of nepotism already going on so far, you definitely got it. There are a bunch of great business there's a bunch of great business schools, but I always felt like she had something on me, too, he explained. So I was like all right, fine. I'm gonna go there. He prepared for his graduate uh, management administration test. Well, okay, so he did go. He did go for for business. Just made really bad business decisions. Test while in Baghdad, studying late at night after his CIA shifts ended. Again, killing brown people. Got it. In 2006, he arrived in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Whitworth continued to play sports, particularly rugby. So even gayer football. Got it. But he fo- so he already played gay football and soccer. By the way, m- Messi over N- Ronaldo. Missed me with that bullshit. Um, but he focused on his studies and on graduate. And on graduation, landed. And on graduation, landed a prime job with PepsiCo. <laughs> This is when Pepsi went gay and did like the Caitlyn Jenner ad where she handed it to the cop or, or whatever. The, I don't know the Kardashian sisters, the one where she like walks through like a riot and hands the cop a Pepsi and everybody gets along. I bet he was behind that. In 2013, he joined uh, Trans Anheuser Busch InBev 
the Belgian-based brewing company formed from the merger of U.S. firm Anheuser-Busch with brewing companies around the world. He rose up the ranks leading trade marketing category and sales technology divisions before becoming U.S. Chief of sale, U.S. Chief Sales Officer in November 2017 and finally U.S. CEO. Quote, yeah, there's no way he didn't know about this Dylan Mulvaney shit. This is all economic credit core shit. It has to be tied to the ESG. There's no fucking way. Quote, it's hard to find a few things that are as closely attached to the United States of America as an than Anheuser-Busch, he said at the time of his appointment in June, uh, in July 2021. Okay, yeah, we didn't need to see this fucking house, but cool, I guess. That passion for the country just naturally connected to the passion for Anheuser-Busch, and I grew up drinking Budweiser. I would bring a Budweiser cake to co- Budweiser to college parties, and not even really care what what was in the keg. Whitworth credits his marine training uh, with helping him raise to the top of the corporate of corporate America. They put me through the process to screen you to see if you do have the capabilities to lead the Marines. He said, "They give you what they believe are the right leadership principles, and then they give you a platoon of Marines." You have to go see if it all works. That early experience gave me an appreciation that I've continued to build upon. What it means to connect with, sell to, and market to someone from Philadelphia or from San Francisco. You should have stuck to San Francisco on this one, apparently, buddy. It certainly made him a wealthy man. Wentworth, believed to earn $12 million a year that's getting cut soon, and lives with his wife, Meredith, in a $7 million apartment on the Upper East Side, close to Coastal Park. (laughs) Central Park, sorry. He will draw on all of his experience as he helps Anheuser-Busch weather out the Mulvaney storm. None of us get it right every time. We're not supposed to, he told Budweiser, a business insider, in the November 2021 interview about his hiring technique, quote, but I want to see people that get it wrong and then quickly move on and try to get it right. Now let's scroll down here a little bit and see what some of the comments are saying. Do they think Republicans drink Bud Light? Uh, from RPNS. Uh, he's hot, says Billy B. Okay, Billy B. Uh, mystical dimples. The fact that a registered Republican was overseeing the company when the company made the worst decision of their life is irrefutable proof that Republicans are inept, weak leaders. Not entirely wrong either. And uh, LE901SC. He should resign, as should all who have anything to do with this fiasco. And in part, in party, I think you mean in parting, Ask for forgiveness for destroying the brand in not just their customer's mind, but in the nation's. All great questions. But, oh yeah, let's, uh, before we wrap up here, let's, uh, let's check out these really bad ads they just rolled out. After we watch this, I, uh, I want to show you guys something that came up when I was typing this up. So let's, uh, let's watch their new ad, their new 
totally not trying to overcompensate and go the complete opposite direction thing. By the way, this is a win. They did not apologize in any way whatsoever, but they tried to go the complete opposite direction. They got American flags, cowboys, horse riding, yeehawing, yeeting, all kinds of good cowboy tobacco chewing type shit. They're trying to go the opposite direction right now, which is still a victory for the non-woke side of the aisle. Meaning they're like, all right, well, the the trans shit backfired really hard. And this close to Pride Month, dude, I wonder if there will be a lasting impact that makes companies during Pride Month nervous about doing shit. Last June, they barely did anything, like, standout-ish of any kind. Like, it wasn't really that big of a spectacle. I wonder what this year's going to look like. Some companies might even try to overdo it. Some companies might try to subtly do it. We'll see. Let me tell you a story. Please don't. About a beer. Rooted in the heart of America. Found in a community where a handshake is a sure contract. Brewed for those who found opportunity in challenge and hope in tomorrow. Raised by generations willing to sip, share, risk, remember. This is a story bigger than beer. This is the story of the American spirit. Mmm, buddy. Man. I'm telling you, I don't know, did that ad do it for you? Did that, uh, that work? Yeah? No? Not at all? Oh, I can't look at him. I'm on... I don't have a YouTube channel anymore, really. Okay, so let me show you something real quick. Leave this in the comments. So, commercial, right? 2023? Patriotic. Look at that. Let's watch this, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Let me tell you a story rooted in that Anheuser of America. This morning, it's the new Budweiser ad campaign that Anheuser-Busch hopes will help the company ride out a boycott. It features the nostalgia of an iconic Clydesdale galloping through all American landscapes with men grabbing a couple of cold ones together. With their husband's story. The ad coming two weeks after Bud Light's partnership with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. This month I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Mulvaney's post drew the ire of some Bud Light enthusiasts, including celebrities like Kid Rock who played target practice with the beer. What the new ad campaign doesn't offer is an explanation for Bud Light breaking away from traditional male-oriented advertising in favor of a trans actress with 10 million followers on TikTok. Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth saying we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We're in the business of bringing people together over beer. I'm not, though, for destroying an American and iconic company. 
for something like this. Donald Trump Jr. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, fuck this guy on this one. Look, I usually like Don Jr. I think he's better than his dad most of the time, but so weak. He found out this guy is a major Republican donor, and he found out uh, that this guy's a registered Republican and all that. And then he immediately went, for, he backpedaled, because Don Jr. was like, boycott's great. And then he was like, cancel the boycott. We can't afford to do this. This is blah, blah, blah. That projects weakness. Pathetic fucking weakness. No, we can absolutely afford to lose this guy. Besides, the amount of money he's given you is nothing compared to what the Democrats lost when Sam Bakeman Freed went down. Get fucking real, dude. Junior speaking out on his podcast defended Anheuser-Busch, praising the company for Weak. donating to many Republicans. Frankly, they don't participate in the same woke garbage that other people in the beer industry actually do, who are significantly worse. They don't do it as bad. They don't. They're look. Just because they punch kids, they don't punch kids as hard as other companies punch kids. Fuck you, Donnie Jr. I don't give a fuck. They partake in it, and they went to a person whose main demographic is children. This person is already Bill Mulvaney is already promoting mental health illnesses and all sorts of issues. To their fucking audience. Now they're also promoting drinking on top of their mental illnesses to children. No, Don. Bad fucking call. Shut up. Bud Light's marketing director has said the brand is in decline and needs to evolve and be more inclusive. Derek Dennis, ABC News, New York. That being said, we'll wrap this episode up here of Inside Four Walls. I have been your host, James Madison, and I shall catch you guys later. Deuce. Don't assume that free speech means the right to freely hurt people's feelings. Why would you use free speech to hurt someone when we can use free speech to bring people together? This is a time for true unity. What if free speech revealed that we are more united than they'd ever dare imagine? It's time to break free. Rumble. The new collection features incredible artwork of me as a rock star and also as a monster. Collect the greatest trading card in history. Me as a rock star and also as a monster. My Trump digital trading card. Me as a rock star and also as a monster. We didn't raise the price despite the incredible fast sellout last time. It's me as a rock star and also as a monster. If you want to own a piece of history, go to collecttrumpcards.com. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. Now, some light-hearted news, guys. I think we've earned it, you know? It's kind of like that meme. Rest here, weary traveler. You've seen enough Bud Light memes for the day. Now let's go to the next meme of the fucking day, shall we? Trump posts on Instagram for the first time in over two years. What happened two years ago? Was, uh... You guys know what happened two years ago? Any, any idea why Trump wasn't on uh, any social media platform, platforms for like two years? I, uh, you know, I think he just took a social media break. You know, he had to step back for a minute. And, you know, just, I respect it. Detox. To push his new collection of digital trading cards. Are we not calling them NFTs anymore? Okay, I see it. We're still calling them NFTs. Okay. Of him holding the Liberty Bell posing as Elvis. And as a dog-loving grill master. Actually, there are some claims that that last one might have validity to it. I definitely do know one thing about Trump for sure. 
he definitely seems to know how to treat beagles way better and you know dogs in general way better than you know i don't know certain other government officials so i can give him that credit and i heard he actually does grill i know he likes burgers from mcdonald's so at least he likes burgers so there's some validity to that last one as for holding the liberty bell okay dog look the NFT thing, I, I said this last time, uh, or I, yeah, I guess the first time we did this, it's going to happen again. I said, this is boomer as hell, it's kind of cringy, but ultimately, I like it. I have a right-click mentality, you know, I, I, I save that image, you know. I'll show you guys, actually. So, this is how you get a free NFT. You see this right here? So, you have a couple options here. You can do a right-click, where you go, like, bam right or if you want to make sure that they can't there's no chance of them getting you in any kind of trouble if you're kind of a pussy you can always just do one of these little right click dealies from a screenshot website and uh i mean i know goddamn well that uh the daily uh dailymail.com didn't pay for these yeah maybe they did but that's how you get a get a free nft in case you didn't know. But I said he's going to sell all of these. He's going to make millions of dollars. And he's probably going to do it again. Here we are. Many months later. His first post on Instagram is to say. Perhaps you should come and buy some NFTs. I know the meme's dead. But you know I might be able to revive it. I've asked around. People said that I'm kind of a dead meme. I seem to be coming back right now. So... Who knows? Perhaps, uh, perhaps I could bring back NFTs. Hmm. Which, uh, NFTs were a joke. And another thing I, I think about NFTs, I think NFTs do genuinely have a future. What we're seeing right now is like an early incarnation of something that will be possibly beneficial down the road. Uh, it, it just, unfortunately, whereas crypto start off with Bitcoin, you know, best in a uh, first in best dressed. Uh, the NFT game started in war first in shitcoin dressed. You know, it just wasn't a good start. But, they, I mean, I don't know. I, we already kind of use NFTs as a concept. I'm not selling you NFTs. I'm not sponsored. I don't sell them. This is just an opinion. I've, I've had this opinion for about a year or however long this NFT conversation is going on. Like, when you buy shit in video games, right? Like, I used to do some... Uh, I used to do some CS uh, CS Surf back in the day. Uh, some of the old Let's Chat episodes on uh, whatever platform you're listening to this on. You can probably find it. And, you know, I would buy, like, skins for my knife or my uniform in there. Um, I was buying Russian skins before it was even cool. <laughs> Jokes. No, not really. But anyway, I mean, those are kind of NFTs, right? Like, I'm, I'm purchasing items in video games. I own them. Theoretically, I mean, there's a bad history right now going on of people of like companies taking away items you've purchased without refunding you. You will own nothing and you will be happy. But yeah, that's kind of the idea of an NFT already. And we, anybody who's been doing online gaming or purchasing anything from an online store for like a video game would, you know, am I wrong? Uh, the comp I've realized people watching my episodes are perhaps a lot smarter than me. So if you know that that's different than what an NFT is, please let me know in the comments below, but they're the same thing essentially, right? But he sold all of them. Here he is doing it again. 
seems like a prediction kind of came true, and I will leave a link to those episodes in the description below just so you know I'm not blowing smoke on my ass. But again, this is kind of cringy, but it's also really fucking funny, man. Come on. Former President Donald Trump posted to Instagram for the first time in more than two years. He was hawking a new set of digital playing cards or NFTs that showed him as a grill master, holding up the Liberty Bell and as King of Hearts playing cards. I'm going to put all that into an art generator to see what I get with that whole cluster of words. Trump pushed that you should get nice guy credit for keeping the NFT prices uh, priced at $99 per digital image. Did it, it did not did, it did not maintain value, did it? No fucking way. Get the fuck out of here. That can't be right. I, uh, I, I, okay, so that's something I may have gotten wrong. I did not think they would maintain any value other than just like being a fun collectible. Maybe if Trump got reelected, you, you would see like a fluctuation in value. But I didn't think they would maintain $99 in value. I figured they would fluctuate and then, I don't know. I mean, I know it's connected to a present, so inevitably it would maintain a value, but let's get into the article. That's interesting. I mean, I figured it, like I said, I figured it would like go up and down in value, but I didn't, it maintain that? Former President Donald Trump posted to Instagram for the first time in more than two years as he hawked his new collection of digital trading cards for sale for $99 each. On Thursday, Trump posted an image of himself holding up the Liberty Bell with an American flag in the background. Quote, I am pleased to inform you that due to the great success of my previously launched digital trading cards... We are now doing it again. Series 2, available right now. He said. I need to get more bass to it. Well, I get it right. The cards, which are NFTs, or non-fudgeable tokens, for anyone who might not know. I'd recently tapped into, like, the 60-plus demographic, according to Anchor Analytics, so I'm like, I assume maybe you know if you're in that demographic. I mean, no offense. Anyway, the cards, which are NFTs, show Trump in numerous poses. In one, he's grilling in the backyard wearing a red red and white striped apron with a dog at his side. In another, Trump's visit, visage has been transformed into the King of Hearts playing cards. Uh, the King of Hearts playing card. Playing into that King theme. The other car, uh, other cards showed Trump... Let me show this out, show this out a little bit. As a King chess piece and as Elvis, while another shows him standing alongside a lion made of fire. <laughs> okay, uh, like this one's kind of okay... The hands are a little uncanny value. I'm not going to lie. Like, this is kind of fresh. It's not $99 worth of fresh. I don't know what the, what's going on with the hairline up here. But, I mean, all right. All right. I, if you got $99 and you want to throw it at something, I mean, it, I, I guess it counts as, as a historical item. Uh, I mean, you can just download these for free. I, I don't mean to be a dick, I, it, I, but that's kind of the issue with NFTs. Like, there are some people who treated NFTs like with like private Instagrams and shit, so you had to pay access, but then you got access to all these NFTs. Some people tried to do that, and it worked for a minute, but, you know. 
This one's alright. Actually, this kind of looks like my old dog, Buddy, to be completely honest. Apron and uh, bandana and all. So, uh, that, this one immediately, only because I looked a lot like my old dog, Buddy, this gets a pass. This gets an actual pass. The neck and face thing is fucking weird. I like the 45 thing, but but here's my question, right? If you're running for president, right, you're planning on becoming the 47th president, right? Technically, right, you become the 47th president. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he would be the 47th president as well. Shouldn't there be more 47 merch? Like, 45? Shouldn't it be like 45, 47? Um, if you're, I, I don't know. It would project more strength, at least from, like, let, look, let's look at this like, like, like I'm a customer, right? And I'm investing in you. Uh, the person I'm investing in would be Trump. A weird hypothetical here, right? But I'm investing my attention and potentially the most valuable thing I could invest, hypothetically, like big fucking air quotes. Go out and, ooh, shit, I am so sorry. Anyway, for the fuck of it, go out and vote. Because, I, I don't know, I think of enough people, I usually don't, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, disenfranchise anyone from voting, and I actually do want to kind of see, because I'm, I'm curious, if enough people went out and voted in 2024, like, if everybody, like, if 9 out of every 10 citizens, or, like, let's say 9 out of every group of 10 citizens in this country went out and voted, I want to see what the fuck it would look like. If there is rigging and what natural result was results are from de-fortified and de-honked areas. I want to know what those stats would look like. So you should definitely go out and go vote and go fuck with it because I'm so fucking curious. But uh, if I'm investing my, my ultimate uh, um, uh, my, my ultimate investment into you, which would be the ballot or, or, or the vote... I want to see you talking about the future, right? And you stop talking about 2020. I haven't heard him talk about 2020 in a long-ass time. And if it is, I think it was like once or twice, and it was like passing. He also hasn't promoted the vaccine in, like, what, nine and a half? Not nine, I'm sorry. I'm retarded. I'm not going to pretend to know an estimate, but I haven't heard him mention a single thing about the vaccine in forever. All he's been talking about is his future plans. Agenda 47, right? So he's already going with the 47 angle. It's just if you're selling this shit, you should be putting the 47 on it because that says I'm ready for the future. I'm planning for the future. This is what I got going on. Just the 45 thing kind of projects a stuck and stale in the past. And you're already doing the NFTs thing, right? So you've already done this. The last thing you want is to do something again and have people be like, oh, this is just more of the same thing. Throw some 47 on there. If you want, get kind of spicy. Like, I re he follows old meme accounts. Like, we know he used to interact with people like uh, uh, Grande or Grandy. You remember that guy? Uh, old PewDiePie fans don't know what I'm talking about. Grande. That's who it was. Uh, Carpe Donctum. Like, he fucks with all these people. He could easily get them on here and sell, like, some really funny NFT memes or some, like, kind of, like, edgy kind of political memes. Who knows? But this is, you know, this is cool. I Like I, I said, this gets a pass because of the dog thing, but, like, I don't know. It's a little wonky. This shit was great just for the meme of it alone, but it's kind of it. This is a different version than the original one. And, again, the head and neck thing is so fucking weird. Oh, Cindy Windy. Daddy Trump is back. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, let's get back into the rest of the article here. And by the way, it's kind of retarded. You have me just look at the descriptions under here. Uh, we have a picture of it right here. 
I hope everyone notices, and I'm sure the fake news won't, that I'm leaving the price of the trading cards at the same as last. <coughs> Sorry, let me... Trading cards as the last time. Even though they're selling for many times more, it's called The Market. And sold out almost immediately because I want my fans and supporters to make money and have fun doing it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so I got some of uh, the DeWack or whatever, the Digital World Acquisition. It's, I think it changed its name recently. And it boomed in value and then it flatlined and then went down. It spikes occasionally, so... I'm just throwing out my personal store. I'm still holding on to it because it's a little nifty thing. I didn't buy much. I bought like five shares. And then when it started to plummet and what didn't show much signs of recovering, I sold them off one by one to the point where now I just have like two. So you know, I'm just... Eh. Anyway. Just be cautious. Moving on. I could have raised the prices much higher and I believe it would still have sold well. With a lot more money coming into me, but I didn't choose to do so. I will be giving no nice guy. Will I be giving no nice guy credit? It's kind of a. Okay, man. Moving on. Let's see. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. God damn. Okay, let's try again. Hello again. This is your favorite president, Donald Trump, with some news you are going to really love. A few months ago, we almost broke the internet when I announced my Trump digital trading cards. These beautiful Trump cards made headlines all over the world because of the speed at which they sold. Original cards sold out so fast, everybody is asking me to do another series. Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. My Trump Digital Trading Cards are back with a bang. Series 2, the new collection, features incredible artwork of me as a rock star and also as a monster trucker. People love to collect baseball cards, but why settle for that when you can collect the greatest trading card in history? My Trump Digital Trading Cards. We didn't raise the price despite the incredible fast sellout last time. It's so easy to buy. You just need an email address and your credit card or crypto. If you want to own a piece of history, go to collecttrumpcards.com. Okay, technically, he's not wrong. It would be a piece of history. Moving on. On Instagram, Trump shared the digital trading card in which he's been given a superhero look complete with a star-spangled cape. What, what would his name be? The Donlander? Moving on. Quote, I hope I already read that. Uh, raise it more. The 99 price right here, because we already read through this. Moving on. The 99 price is for one Trump image, with the former president pledging not to sell more than 10 copies of any one design. Which is something similar he had to the last one. I think it was like, uh, I don't remember immediately. I'll, I'll leave a link to the uh, original recording about this. NFTs or non-fudgeable tokens allowed people to claim ownership of a digital image. Both the former president and former first lady Melania Trump have previously sold NFTs to supporters. Quote, Ow. Uh, quote, I could have raised the price much higher, and I believe it still would have sold well. 
with a lot more money coming to me, but I didn't choose to do that. Do so. Trump continued on the Instagram post, quote, We'll be given no nice guy credit, Trump mused. In late January, Meta, a parent company of Instagram and Facebook, decided to let the former president back on their platforms. He was barred from follow- barred following his actions around the January 6th Capitol attack, which was finish a speech and then go home, post a tweet telling everybody to go home, and then made a video telling everybody to go home. Well, there was like a blooper reel, and the blooper reel, that's really fucking funny. Tell you what, I'll find the blooper reel, I'll throw it in at the end of this episode. It's really funny. Until Tuesday, the last post from Trump was for January 6th, Save America March, which happened in the hours before the Capitol attack at the Ellipse near the White House. Let's go down to the comments. Men from Spec, I think it is very generous of Mr. Trump to pay Fox News' $767 million bill after all they earned it backing him? What? Sorry, seven hundred eighty-seven million is even more generous. Uh, uh, it's going over my head, unfortunately. Uh, Viper. He would have tried making money of his. Uh, he would have tried making money of his parents' death. Uh, his parents' death bodies. If he, if could. Sorry, he would have tried making money of his parents' death bodies. If could. He is absolutely national embarrassment. Pathetic. Bigly pathetic. Definitely uh, English is the first language on that one. And Miss Nobody. Rudy should do the same. Fair. Now, again, the first one's completely sold out. Let's hop over here real quick. If it wants to load, there we go. Zoom in. Uh, I'm pleased to inform you that due to the great success of the previous launch, Digital Trading Cards, we are doing it again. Series 2 available right now. Go to Trump, uh, collecttrumpcards.com. Have fun. Scroll on up here. We already read that one out a few times. Same shit. Hello again. We might talk about this. I need to watch that first. I've heard about it. As a as of ten minutes ago, my digital trading card sold out in record time. Approximately four point six million. Are you shitting me? A great honor, and I hope everyone is happy, healthy, and wealthy. Congratulations. Ayo, Trump with the bars at the fucking end, right? Shouldn't it just be diamond? Anyway. Are you serious? Okay, I'm kind of confused. Hmm. So, Trump made a bundle of cash selling NFTs financial filings show former President Donald Trump has made between $100,000 and $1 million in income from NFTs. His new financial disclosure showed, and that's from Friday, April 14th. Trump last year announced NFT collection, a series of $99 digital trading cards featuring the cartoon drawings of him in various heroic uh, postures and outfits. Trump currently leading the contender for... Okay, give me... That's interesting. 
I think he actually did sell out of them. I I just did some looking around. I may have missed something, but holy shit, I think 11 hours ago, Trump sold every one of these trading cards in 24 hours. What the fuck? As of 10 minutes ago, my digital trading cards sold out in record time, approximately 4.6 million. A great honor. I hope everyone is happy, healthy, and wealthy. Congratulations. That is fucking wild. God damn. We're here real quick because I pulled up an article about this. Trump dropped second series of digital trading card collection. Earlier this month, the floor price on the original Trump NFT collection jumped after the news of his indictment. But the new second, se- the new series two release has sent the first collection's price downward. Interesting. I imagine because everyone's probably rushing to buy the new one, so less attention and less interest. It seems kind of natural, right? Especially if it uh, like we're working with what it seems like is like here he sold out in in less than twenty four hours. Trump, until proven otherwise, because I've I've done looking around, he out of his fucking NFTs like entirely on this one. And on the first batch, he made roughly one million, around one million dollars in income off the first batch of NFTs, and now he's saying with this one that he made four point six million on the on these NFTs. On, on, on the series too, that is fucking wild. Oh, I guess Trump, Trump and Tucker are going live here in a minute. That is sort of fucking insane. Anyway, move on. I I I'm stunned. But you know, I'm humbled. I I, I mean, I feared he might sell out, but I didn't think he would like fucking completely sell out like this and what is this wall street that's looking one that's kind of cool actually anyway let's continue earlier this month but yeah so trump released new nfts everyone's rushing to buy these new ones and everyone was rushing to buy the new ones and then all the new ones sold out so less people are interested in the old ones for now once the you know the new factor kind of wears off they're probably going to stabilize guesstimations over here None of this is investment advice. I was, in the beginning, clearly telling people not to get in on this, but fuck, what do I know, apparently? By Cam Thompson, April 18th, at 1.23 p.m. Yeah, goddamn, okay. Despite his recent indictment, Trump isn't slowing down his Web3 ambitions. The former U.S. president announced Tuesday the release of a Series 2 of his NFT collection, Trump Digital Trading Cards. Trump shared the news on, social, on his social network through social, telling his followers that of great, the, after the great success, he's expanding his collection with a second mint that's now available to collectors. In case you're still kicking yourself or passing on Trump NFTs the first time around. Apparently this time too. Whilst the tokens will be minted on the Polygon blockchain, nice, actually, wow, and remain at their original mint price of $99, the art, rarity traits, and uh, utility features will differ from the first collection. For starters, Series 2 includes 47,000 non-fungible tokens, 2,000 more than the first series, which explains the... Okay, so yeah, no, he definitely sold out. Holy shit. That's fucking wild. That explains why he made 4.6 million instead of 1 million this time around. That is wow. I'm being humbled in real time right now. 
Ooh. More than the first series, that could be a nod to his ambition to return to the White House as the 47th president. Or he just knew he would sell more. According to Trump Digital Trading Cards website, no 10 tokens will have the same features. Rather than the sweepstakes collector, uh, collectors who purchase 47 tokens can claim a dinner with Trump at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. Collectors who purchase 100 tokens with a cryptocurrency will earn the dinner and a unique Trump-themed artwork. Okay, get Trump in the Bill Clinton dress from Epstein Island. Anyway, uh, right here from at Tyler did it. Breaking Trump digital trading cards are expanding and launching Series 2. The Series 1 Trump cards did uh, instant cliff die. Well, look, right here. It shows it right here. Like I said, it's going to drop down and then stabilize as the new factor starts to wear off. So we're looking at the old price for the old ones. Yes. All right, so we see... All right, yeah, right there. I see what you're looking at. All right, never mind. The image was uh, cropped on my side, so it looked... I, okay, I see. Never mind. I'm retarded. Uh, cliff dive on the news down 44% to 20 cents, uh, 0.22 ETH. I'm a casual trader. I don't know what that means. Upon the news of the up-and-coming collection, the floor price of the original collection on secondary market... OpenSea lost about half of its value, sinking to 0.2 uh, ETH, about 420 mm, gnarly dude, from the early 0.4840. Jesus Christ. So that's those. Wait, so you mean to tell me they're still. So wait, if they were rocking originally at $840 per card. And they were sold originally for $99. So Series 1 was sold for $99 per NFT. And then for the longest time, they were rocking at $840 each. And now they just dropped down to $420. But people who bought in when they were new are still in the green. Okay. Okay. Trump released his first NFT collection in December, which sold out in hours. According to the recent filings from the U.S. Office of Government Ethics bit of a oxymoron of an office. Trump earned between 500000 and $1 million from the collection. In April, the first collection's value plummeted, uh, pumped, sorry, on the secondary market due to news of his arrest. And that is the end of it. End of this article. Okay. No shit. Well, I don't really know how to end this episode. I was thinking it'd be kind of a clean end. Trump returns to uh, Instagram, sells you NFTs, but <laughs> okay, never mind. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I bring your host James Madison, and I shall catch you guys later. Deuce. Say, I just don't know how to end this episode. Fuck. Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm Rose James Masson, and the truth is we're out here. Pentagon UFO leader who penned alien mothership paper to testify before Senate. 
by Jerry Dunleavy. Oh, Justice Department reporter, April 19th, 2023 at 4.40 a.m. As of the time of recording, this is, like, brand new. So let's get into it. I'm This is, this is kind of bitchin'. Totes bitchin'. The leader of the Pentagon's UFO Identification Office, who recently speculated about the potential for an alien mothership in the solar system and extraterrestrial technology techno, uh, technological probes visiting Earth, will testify in a rare congressional hearing. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of the recently formed All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, will appear as a sole witness in front of the Senate Armed Service Committee on Wednesday. He is slated to discuss the mission activities, oversight, and budget of the office created by the Pentagon in 2022, whose goal is to identify and identifying and attributing unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs, more commonly known as UFOs or unidentified flying objects. How increased UFO sightings could be linked to aerial infiltration. Big balloons, maybe? Kirkpatrick's high-profile testimony comes as Congress has pushed the U.S. intelligence community and the Pentagon in recent years to be more forthcoming about what they know about UFOs detected in the skies over the United States. It also comes just over a month after a draft paper he co-authored through the university, through Harvard University, was parbl- was published, published, with the abstract title quote "The Physical Constraints of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena," which it uh, and with it, it turn out the brightness, exploring the quote the extraterrestrial possibility. The Pentagon office wrote in March that, quote, an artificial interstellar object could potentially be a parent craft that releases many small probes during its close passage to Earth and that the and that these small probes or dandelion, uh, dandelion seeds could be separated from the mothership by either the gravitational force of the sun, or by maneuvering capabilities. Kirkpatrick wrote that, quote, these tiny probes would reach Earth or other solar system planets for exploration as these parent craft passes by within a fraction of Earth's sun separation. I need to know what Tom Cruise thinks about this. Quote, once an Earth-like planet is targeted, an interstellar device can plunge into its atmosphere. In principle, a multitude of tiny devices can be released from a mothership that passes near Earth. Kirkpatrick wrote, quote, Within a close range to a star, extraterrestrial techn- technological probes could use starlight to charge their batteries and liquid water as their fuel. That's kind of wild. Kirkpatrick added, quote, In analogy, with actual dandelion seeds, the probes could propagate, uh, could propagate the blueprint of their senders, as with biological seeds, the raw material on the planet's surface could also 
be used by them as nutrients for self-replication or simply scientific exploration. End quote. That was a long quote. The paper, co-authored by Kirkpatrick and Harvard professor Abraham Loeb, ended by stating that the work was, quote, conducted in partnership with AARO. The Pentagon announced in July 2022 that Kirkpatrick would be leading a newly formed AARO located within the office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and and Security. The UFO office leader had spent years at agencies including the National Reconnaissance Office, CIA, and National Security Council. They glow as well. And his most recent assessment was as chief scient- uh, assignment was as chief scientist at DIA's Missile and Space Intelligence Center. Jesus Christ, this dude is swamped up. The Defense Department said AARO's mission would be to, quote, synchronize efforts across the Pentagon and the federal governments more broadly to direct, identify, and attribute objects of interest in, on, or near military installations and other areas of interest, like balloons. The department noted that the objects of concern include anonymous, unidentified, space, airborne, submerged, and transmedium. What the fuck is a transmedium object? Hold on, what the fuck is that? Transmedium objects or devices. The term transmedium objects or devices means objects or devices that are observed or transition between space and the atmosphere or between the atmosphere and bodies of water that are not immediately identifiable. Got it. Like transparent to detection. Got it. Makes sense. So spy balloons, China's hypersonic nuclear missiles... And the deep-sea nuclear tsunami missile. So it seems like you're really covering all your bases right now. And find a good way to cover it. The Office of the uh, the Director of National Intelligence said in January 2023 that the AARO should facilitate more coordinated UAP efforts, resulting in greater attribution to UAP. Kirkpatrick spoke with the press in December 2022 and noted that unidentified objects in the sky, sea, and space pose potential threats to safety and security. He added that the stigma associated with UAP reporting has been significantly reduced, but that more work needs to be done. When asked if he had any evidence showing any of the uh, anomaly, what the fuck? Again, I'm kind of retarded. It's an anomaly. As soon as I was like, what the fuck am I... It, it clicked. Drink some of this Red Bull. Ah. Anomalies. Were aliens from outer space? He said, no. Quote, there are things that appear to be... Uh, appear to demonstrate uh, interesting flight dynamics... That we are fully investigating and researching right now, he added. When U.S. when the U.S. intelligence community began releasing information on unidentified flying objects in U.S. airspace, the most prominent possi- possible culprit in 
the popular imagination was extraterrestrials, but the Chinese spy balloon saga indicates more attention could be paid to Beijing's possible role with concern that advanced Chinese surveillance technologies may also be able uh, be able to sometimes fly uh, unobserved or unidentified above the U.S. ODNI released a, quote, preliminary assessment on UFOs in June 2021, stating that 144 UFO reports originated from U.S. government sources and with 80 of the with 80 of the UFOs being observed with multiple sensors. By definition, because the aerial phenomenon are identified, it is not known yet if a foreign adversary is behind some of them. Quote, frankly, if it's something outside of this planet, that might actually be better than the fact that we've seen some sort of technological leap from China or Russia or some other adversary that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. Yeah, but if it was Ukraine, you would not say shit. Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, the vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, said in July 2022, ODNI said in 2021, it could only identify one reported UAP with high confidence saying, quote, we identified the object as a large deflating balloon. The others remain unexplained with, uh, sorry, the spy office divided the UFOs into five possible categories, foreign adversary systems, airborne uh, clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, U.S. government or U.S. industry developmental programs and called a catch-all other bin. That's a weird thing to call it. UFOs would, quote, represent a national security challenge if they are foreign adversaries collecting platforms or providing evidence a potential adversary has developed either a breakthrough or disruptive technology, ODNI said. The follow-up report by ODNI in January of this year revealed that in addition to 144 UFOs listed in its 2021 report, there have been 247 new reports and another 119 that were either since discovered or reported after the preliminary assessment's time period. For a total of, a, of 510 UFO reports as of August 2022, UFOs, quote, pose a possible adversarial collection threat, ODNI said at the time, and such UFO events continue to occur in restricted area or sensitive airspace. Kirkpatrick's testimony is scheduled for 10.30 a.m. Wednesday before the Senate Armed Service Subcommittee on Energy Threats and Capabilities. And depending on what platform you're watching this on, it already happened. If you listen to this on BitChute and Rumble, it should not have happened yet. On all other platforms, it would have already happened. And I'll be doing an update after that happens. So maybe I'll reschedule some stuff around to have this up front. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Let's see if there's any comments. No comments. Yeah, so what do you guys think about this? See what's this video? So President Vladimir Putin um, had an allegations today that Western intelligence services were contributing. 
responsibility to carry out acts of sabotage. How do you respond on these allegations? I wouldn't really respond to Russian allegations of, of that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not aware of the, I'm not, I did not see that, so I just don't really want to speak to it. The department. So that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. All right. Well, guys, let me know what you think about this story. I personally believe that aliens exist. Uh, I, I think there is life out there. I think it's a little uh, hypocritical, a little self-centered to think that there isn't. But aliens is also often something the government will wave around in front of your face to get you all excited and distract you from actual stories. Trump did it. Obama did it. Bush did it. Biden did it. Or Biden could be doing it right now. So, you know, just the old saying, another day, another psyop. But, I don't know about this one. This one's kind of interesting. So, let me know what you think below. And until next time, I've been your host, James Madison. Peace. So, here's what we know about UFOs. The U.S. government has verified they're real, in the sense there are objects moving in the sky that we cannot identify. They're certain they do not belong to a foreign nation. They're not from Russia or from China. And third, we know that these objects are moving in ways that we cannot replicate explain or even understand. So everyone who studied this in the U.S. government will admit that privately. No one has really said that out loud, and that may change very soon. So for the first time in half a century, there will be a public hearing on UFOs. The House Intelligence Subcommittee will hear from two senior Pentagon officials tomorrow on what the Defense Department actually knows about these objects. The Pentagon and intel agencies are reportedly feuding tonight on how much the public should know. Lou Elizondo is a man who does know. He's a former Pentagon official who ran this program looking into these objects. He joins us tonight. Lou, thanks so much for coming on. So thanks, what, what would possibly be the justification for holding back from the public what the U.S. government, which the public pays for, knows about these objects? Well, in fact, it, it might not be so much what we know, Tucker, but the fact that we don't know some things. Uh, clearly, right. from a from a national security perspective, the last thing you want to do is ever broadcast your, if you will, your your intelligence gaps uh, to your to your enemy. And in this particular case, you know, you said it yourself. There's a lot more we don't know than we do know. But you're right. This is a historic move. Since since 50 years ago, the last time we were faced with this, you had the Air Force brief, briefing the, the results of Project Blue Book. Here we are, half a century later, and now we have senior DOD officials now, not just the Air Force, coming up and, and providing information to Congress and ultimately the American people. Do, do you know if there have been conversations between American officials and their counterparts in, say, Russia and China over these objects? I mean, they're not just spotted around U.S. military installations, but also in those countries and around the world. Do we ever talk about this offline? Well, you know, let me give you a real example. There was a, a very classified memorandum at some point back in the 60s that the United States and Russia agreed in writing that we would report to each other um, when we were looking at the northern tier, making sure that neither one of us thought the other was shooting a nuclear weapon at the other. And there's actually a, a small uh, paragraph that says, look, if you happen to see a UFO, do us a favor, call us first before you press the button, because it, it, it may very well be just that, a UFO, and not, not, not a...
us. And so I, I think um, I think there, there are certain examples of that where we had information sharing with other countries, in some cases allied countries, and now even in the law, the law that was just passed recently that was co, if you will, sponsored by Senator Gillibrand and Senator Marco Rubio, where it says now we are enjoined, we must, we have to work with our friends and allies on this topic. It's no longer an option. We have to do it. So you've just, you've, said, you've answered two questions. One, the U.S. government has had full awareness of this for 60 years. This was in the 1960s, you said. And second, we know for dead certain these are not foreign military aircraft. Yeah, I mean, look, Congress is, is doing the right thing by having these hearings. And I, I'll tell you something else. I suspect there's going to be more hearings after this. This is just establishing the baseline for Congress. Uh, but we know, again, about Project Blue Book. We know about some, some efforts beforehand. And we know about my program, ATIP. And then after that, we had the UAP task force. But what about the 40-some years in between? What other efforts did the U.S. government have? What did we learn in that time? And is there a way we can get that information now under a single tent so we're not, in essence, reinventing the wheel? We can compare and contrast information we learned from before as compared to what we're learning now with better and, and, and more, more capable equipment. This is an inherently significant story, and maybe that's why it's been written off as the province of crazy people. Uh, you've persisted, though. We appreciate it. Lou Elizondo, thanks so much for that preview. Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison. And, you know, when I made a comment about the last Diane Feinstein episode, where I said, imagine if uh, from this little knock on the head, Mitch McConnell got all uh, whatever switch flipped from elephant to rhino in his head and maybe got knocked back into place. Made you come back more red-pilled than ever. I said it as a joke. But then the motherfucker helped lead the charge to block Diane Feinstein's replacement holding up nominations on Biden's behalf or holding up people Biden put forward for nominations for various departments. I love it. Let's get into it. Republicans block Senate Democrats' push to replace Feinstein on Judiciary Panel. Senate Republicans blocked a request Tuesday by Democrats to temporarily replace Senator Dianne Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee while the 89-year-old Californian recovers from illness. Shingle specifically. So we're going to scroll down here. We went with the uh, OWA outlet. So scroll in. I believe it's this one, right? Yes. Okay. So this is the one we went with. Top one, high uh, center, high factuality. Let's get into it. Republicans object resolution to temporarily replace Senator Feinstein on judiciary panel. This is the most base shit they could have done. Just keep in mind, like this is going to have a ton of implications going forward. Now, there's going to be an outcry from one side going... It's so cruel how the Republicans are making her do her job. A couple thoughts on that one. One, she shouldn't have ran for the fucking job if she wasn't prepared to take the responsibilities that come with the mantle she ran for. Argue with that. You're just coping. Second of all, good. She should be forced to do her job. She's, I mean, knock on wood, I don't wish it upon anyone, but she's fucking... One foot in the grave here. A, she has dementia really bad. Two, she's... People have said, oh, she quite possibly has Parkinson's. That's a rumor. I don't know anything about that one other than I've heard it mentioned around. And now she's been out for over two months with shingles. <sighs> Pardon me. She's not doing great. And she's in her 90s. 
And the left has been, the left was just calling her weak and frail and unable to do her job and unfit. And they wanted Porter to take over for her. And mind you, that fucking crazy broad has a domestic violence charge against her, which we will be recording about here today in a minute anyway. Republicans object resolution temporarily replace Senator Feinstein on Judiciary Panel. No, uh, no Feinstein on that Judiciary Panel. No Biden judges. That has a widespread consequence for Joe Biden. And if we can manage to hold it up until 2024, even fucking better. Feinstein has been absent from the Senate since February while she recovers from a case of shingles. Her office has given no date for her return. But she says she... she so she's already said she's not planning on running again. But she's also not planning on resigning either. Author Mary Claire Jolinick uh, from the AP published April 18th, 2023 at 526. And it was updated apparently at the exact same time. Anyway, moving on. Republicans blocked a Democrat request to temporarily replace California Senator Dianne Feinstein on the, on the Senate Judiciary Committee Tuesday, leaving Democrats with few options for moving some of President Joe Biden's stalled judicial nominees. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, objected to the resolution offered by Senator Majority, uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that would have allowed another senator to take Feinstein's place on the panel while the Democrat uh, recuperates from the case of shingles. Republicans have argued that Democrats only want to stand in to push through the most partisan judges, uh, noting that many of Biden's nominees have partisan support and have, uh, sorry, have bipartisan support and can move the Senate floor for a vote. Yeah, that being said, they wanted, uh, oh, what's his name? They wanted Adam Schiff to replace her. You think he would have been an impartial, unbiased judge? Adam Schiff illegally spied on a U.S. citizen and then doxed them, released all their private communications, their phone numbers, and their emails out to the public. No. Fuck you. Absolutely not. As he objected, Graham said Democrats were trying to, quote, Challenge the number of the committee in a way that I think would be harmful to Senate. And to pass out a handful of judges that I think should never be on the bench. Now, I'm not, uh, I, I am the furthest thing from Lindsey Graham fan. I will give Lindsey Graham absolute credit on this. Completely based. And you know what? Fucking hilarious. Democrats could still hold a roll call vote. On the request, but that, but with what appears to be an unfulfilled GOP opposition, or sorry, let me restart that. Grab my glasses. Okay, glasses on. Headphones back on. Let's go. Democrats could still hold a roll call vote on request. But with what appears to be a unified GOP opposition, which is 
not exactly right, but they're starting to become more and more like that, and it's nice to see. GOP opposition to the move. It would likely be rejected. Oh, specifically to this? Then yes. Feinstein, 89. I thought she was 90. My bad. Feinstein, 89, made the unusual request last week after pressure from Democrats who are concerned about the judicial nominees and amid some calls for her resignation, she has been absent from the Senate since February and has given no date for return, creating a headache for Democrats who are hoping to use their majority to confirm many of President Joe Biden's judicial nominees as possible. Ahead of the vote, Schumer said, uh, said the replacement for Feinstein would be Democrat Senator Ben Cardin. What? I was always hearing that it was Adam Schiff, but okay. A lawyer and third-term senator from Maryland, Schumer, would not answer questions about whether he thinks Feinstein should consider resigning, but said he had spoken to Feinstein and, quote, she and I are both very hopeful that she will return soon. She's openly said she has not, she won't resign. Either Thursday... Uh, earlier Thursday, Tuesday, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell called the effort to place a substitute on the panel as Feinstein recovers from a case of the shingles an extremely unusual request with no known president. Quote, let's be clear, said McConnell in remarks on the Senate floor. Senate Republicans will not take part in the sideline side of temporary absent colleagues. Of a committee that just, just so Democrats can force through their very worst nominees. McConnell's comments come after several Republican senators said on Monday that they wouldn't support a Democratic plan. More like a Democrat plan. Wording. Wording, 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 and phrasing. Both because... Both because they want to, they don't want to help Democrats confirm liberal judges, and because they don't think senator think senators should try to push out one of their own. Hey, uh, McConnell, you voted for impeachment twice. I don't know what to tell you here. Anyway, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Chuck Grassley of Iowa said they think Democrats are pressuring Feinstein unfairly. <laughs> I don't know if it's unfairly, but okay. Collins said that she and Feinstein are good friends, and she thinks there's been a concerted campaign to push her off the Judiciary Committee. Quote, I will have no part of that. Collins said Feinstein has come under increasing pressure to resign or step down from her duties. While she has defended her effectiveness, she, uh, she has faced questions in recent years about her cognitive health and memory, and has appeared increasingly frail. Oh, yes, she's old as fuck. In 2022, she said she would not serve as top Democrat on the Judiciary Panel after criticism from liberals about her handling of Justice Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation earlier this year. She said she would not serve as Senate President pro tempo, pro tempore, or the most, or the most senior member of the majority party, even though she was in line to do so. President pro tempore opens the Senate every day and holds other ceremonial duties. Grassley, a longtime member of the panel, who is the same age as Feinstein, chastised 
Democrats for denying Feinstein the opportunity to become chairman of the committee and trying to force her out of office because, quote, she's old. I don't intend to give credence to the sort of anti-human treatment, Grassley said, to that sort of anti-human treatment. Jesus Christ. If Feinstein were to resign immediately, the process would be much easier for Democrats since California Governor Gavin Newsom would appoint a replacement. The Senate regularly approves committee assess, uh, assignments for new senators after their uh, predecessors have resigned or died. But a temporary replacement due to illness is a rare, if not unprecedented, request. Well, if it's unprecedented, it means it's never fucking happened. So rare, it's a bit generous, isn't it? <coughs> Sorry. Some Democrats... Ooh, I need to clear my throat real quick. Some Democrats have called for her resignation. Her statement asking for a temporary substitute came shortly after Democrat Rep. Ro Khanna, ugh, Democrat from California, called on her to resign from Senate, saying it was unacceptable for her to miss votes to confirm judges who could be weighing in on abortion rights, a key Democratic priority. Another member of the California delegation, Democratic Rep. Pete Alliger, oh yeah, said Thursday that Feinstein is, quote, a legend in California politics and a legend in the Senate chamber, but that her vote will be needed as Congress tries to figure out how to raise the debt ceiling this year. Fuck off. Quote, I will say that, say that our expectation as House Democrats is that every senator is going to need to participate. He said, adding, she should get to choose that timeline. Asked if Feinstein should resign, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin, Dick Durbin, said Monday, quote, I'm not going to push her into any decision. Durbin had previously expressed frustration about his committee's stalled nominees. Durbin, Durbin <laughs> appealed to his Republican colleagues to, quote, show a little kindness and caring for their colleague. If the Senate votes to replace her on the panel, quote, I think we can take her, uh, take care of this issue. Do it very quickly, Durbin said, quote, I hope we can find ten Republicans who will join us in that effort. Mmm, fat chance. And that is the end of, oh, let's see. Yep, that's a different story. What's this video here? We're reinventing our network. Uh, okay. Oh, to the Reiner Report. There is growing debate among Democrats on whether U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein should resign. Yes, she has been away from Washington for more than a month recovering from shingles. And tonight, we do have ABC 10's Morgan Reiner covering all things politics and explaining why this does not just impact California. In February, Senator Dianne Feinstein announced she would not seek re-election in 2024, but would fulfill her term. The next month, the 89-year-old senator was diagnosed with shingles and has not been in Washington, D.C. since. President Biden has been trying very hard to rebalance the federal judiciary after uh, the wave of appointments under Donald Trump. And he was doing pretty well up until, you know, a month or two ago. And now it's slowed down with certain judges. People want Dianne Feinstein back or they want her to resign. The senator has missed a majority of the votes taken this year. Senator Amy Klobuchar telling CNN if Feinstein can't come back, it'll be a national issue. With this close Senate, that's not just going to 
hurt California, it's going to be an issue for the country. The first to call for the senator's resignation, California Representative Ro Khanna. In an interview with The Hill, he said he's simply saying publicly what so many are saying privately. She's simply unable now to fulfill her duties. But Senator Nancy Pelosi says she's Ugh. never seen anyone go after a male senator Sub this jokes. way, suggesting sexism at play. I don't agree with that. Senator Grassley, the Republican from uh, Iowa, is 89 years old, but he's there. The, the real question is not her age. The real question is, can she show up, vote on the Judiciary Committee, Feinstein herself asked this week to temporarily be replaced on the committee, but that she's planning on going back as soon as her doctors clear her for travel. Probably won't work because you would require unanimous consent of the Senate or at least 60 votes. And I think it would be very difficult to find 10 Republicans. Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. If Feinstein decides to resign, it would be up to Governor Gap. If Feinstein decides to resign... Bars, homie. Bars. And Newsom to appoint her replacement. And the governor says he says he plans to appoint a black woman. Some say Barbara Lee is the obvious choice, and she's already announced she is indeed running. We're back. After. All right. Oh, yeah, Katie Porter um, has like multiple. We're going to begin this hour with an multiple violent domestic charges against her. Now, just for a little additional information, we're going to hop over here to the New York Post. Watch this video. I understand our Judiciary Committee colleagues report they cannot find a single past example where their committee let a member be temporarily replaced in this fashion that some Democrats are advocating. So let's be clear, Senate Republicans will not take part in sidelining a temporary absent colleague off a committee just so Democrats can force through their very worst nominees. It's kind of hilarious. Forgive the black attempt to replace Einstein, Josh uh, Christensen. Yeah, this is pretty much just the the same stuff. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm confused. But let's skim through here real quick, shall we? Uh, Lindsey Graham objected to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's request Tuesday to temporarily replace uh, alien Senator Dianne Feinstein on the Senate Judiciary Committee with Ben Cardin. Yeah. I it, what happened? Because uh, the other day when we reported it, they wanted Chuck Schumer to take over. But, oh, okay. Well, they got me. Uh, Graham, the top Republican Judiciary Committee, accused Democrats of trying to change the number on the committee in a way that he think would be harmful to the Senate and would pass harm uh, a handful of judges that I think should never be on the bench. With all due respect to F uh, Senator Feinstein, I object, he added, reshuffling the compos uh, composition of the panel. Even temporarily requires unanimous consent from all senators, meaning only one Republican needs to object to... Ooh, that's interesting. I uh, mean, only one Republican needed to object Tuesday to block the resolution. Wow. Senate Majority uh, Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell said Tuesday his party will oppose any attempt by Democrats to temporarily replace Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee, calling the gambit a bid by President Biden's party 
to force through their very worst nominees. The, the supposed emergency is that Senate Democrats are unable to push through a small fraction of nominees who are so extreme, so extreme and so unqualified that they cannot win a single Republican vote in committee. The 81-year-old Mitch McConnell from Kentucky said on the Senate floor, Wow, uniparty member actually acting with a populist intent. That's kind of stunning. So far, this Congress... Uh, so far this Congress, the committee has reported out more than 50 nominees, more than half a bipartisan basis, he added. Quote, the administration does not face any obstacle to moving the nominee who are remotely qualified for the job, who are people who are main, uh, mainstream and qualified have a path forward. Feinstein, Democrat of California, was diagnosed with shingles in February and was briefly hospitalized for the infection early March, returning to California home, where she has been ever since. Quote, when I was first diagnosed with shingles, I expected to return by the end of March work period. Unfortunately, my return to Washington has been delayed due to continued com uh, compli uh, complications related to my diagnosis. The 80 Nine-year-old, fuck, Feinstein said in an April 12th statement in response to calls by her fellow Democrats to resign her seat. Quote, I understand that my absence could delay important work on the Judiciary Committee, but get fucked. I'm kidding. So I've asked Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to ask Senate to allow uh, another Democrat senator temporarily serve until I'm, un until I'm able to resume my committee work, she added. But opposition from McConnell and other Republicans to temporarily replacing Feinstein means Schumer would need at least 60 votes to force the temporary switch. In Feinstein's absence, the Senate Judiciary Committee has 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans, meaning at least one uh, GOP vote is needed to favorably report nominees to the full Senate. The chamber had for weeks been deadlocked with 49 Democrats and 49 Republicans due to the absence of Feinstein and Senator John Fetterman, Democrat from PA, Pennsylvania, I'm retarded, who returned to Capitol Hill for the first time in two months Monday night. We also reported on that. The committee uh, stalemate has stalled confirmation votes for several Biden nominees concerning Chairman Dick Durbin. Quote, I'm anxious because I can't really have a markup of new judge nominees until she's there, the 78-year-old senator told reporters last month. McConnell himself also returned to Senate Monday after he recovered from a fall last month that left him with a concussion and a fractured rib. He expressed uh, he expressed admiration for his longtime Senate colleague in his remarks, calling Feinstein, quote, a titanic figure and wishing her the very best for a speedy recovery. Let's look at the comments before we end it here. Omega, uh, Omen 55. Good! Dems got, them, Dems got themselves into this. And when Fetterman goes back into the hospital or coma, that will also be their problem over... Over on you, Chucky. That is pretty good. That's a great point. Uh, over here, next comment is from Sky Nerd Fan or Skinnerd. I'm retarded. Yeah, Skinnerd Fan 45. Fetterman's wife is waiting in the wings. 
to take his spot when he becomes permanently incapacitated. And for America, Diane Feinstein, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, age limits. So here's the thing about that. I don't necessarily think it's an age limits thing. I think it has more to do with uh, cognition. Now I am. If I'm not going to stop it, if there's a vote to install age limits, I'm all for that too. I don't. I, I'm not going to stop that either. That sounds nice, but it's not a, a pressing topic for me. If you're cognizant, then I don't care. Feinstein is 89. Biden is 80. Nancy Pelosi is 83. But Pelosi is out of office. Congress should impose strict age limits to prevent politicians such as. Ms. Feinstein, Mr. Biden, Ms. Pelosi, from ever running for re-election. Oh, my God. Again, due to their advanced age, all three career politicians will soon be perfect candidates for nursing homes, uh, nursing home care. Joe Biden is now receiving round-the-clock nursing care, undoubtedly inside the White House. Elderly politicians like Ms. Feinstein, Mr. Biden, Ms. Pelosi do not want to give up their political power, and as a result, America is now on the verge of becoming a banana republic. That being the case, voters and the younger generation of politicians must clearly impose strict age limits together with term limits, and I'm all for term limits, on these career politicians at all levels of the three branches of the government. The presidency, senate, congress... How can these 80-year-olds uh, 80 ever be allowed to make serious decisions in America when they cannot even deliver a speech without reading from a teleprompter or by making uh, constant gaffes? Okay, to be fair, politicians, you probably like rely on teleprompters too. So, just saying, careful with that one. Uh, or by making constant gaffes, which, to be sure, completely embarrasses America internationally. This is what clearly gives China the political edge and why the Saudis are looking to China and not America, which, in their eyes, is a country in decline. Okay, yeah, I mean a lot a lot of fucking facts in that in the end of that and then end of that comment right there, absolutely. So that being said, this has been Inside Four Walls, I'm your host James Madison, and I shall catch you later. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. And we have a continuation of the Twitter files. Government had full access. Elon Musk makes bombshell claim that U.S. government could access Twitter's users' private messages. Twitter owner and CEO Elon Musk has claimed in a new interview how the U.S. government had complete access to users' private messages on Twitter. Musk stated how he was surprised when he learned of the revelation. Musk then goes one step further and admits how government agencies had full access to everything that was happening on Twitter, which is a major violation against multiple constitutional rights. The immediate one coming to mind is your right against unlawful search and seizure. Article by James Gordon. Whoa, all the way from Gotham City. Alrighty. This article was published on the 17th. Twitter CEO Elon Musk has claimed the U.S. government had access to users' private messages on Twitter. In a wide-ranging interview with Fox News, Tucker Carlson set to broadcast on Monday and Tuesday night, Musk made it clear, uh, made the startling claims, noting how he was shocked to learn 
the that the government had full access to private communications on the platform. The billionaire tycoon told Carlson how unaware of the fact, uh, how unaware of the fact until he joined the company and expressed surprise at the degree to which government agencies were able to monitor social media. Quote, the degree to which government agencies effectively had full access to everything going, that was going on on Twitter blew my mind, Musk said. I was not aware of that. The degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, yes. Moving on. Would that include people's DMs? Carlson uh, probed. Yes, Musk replied. The, extent, the extensive interview with Carlson is set to air over the next two nights. Musk's admission that the agencies had full access to everything happening on Twitter, including direct messages, is likely to raise concerns among users who may have assumed that their private conversations were entirely private and secure. Don't know why you would ever do that. While it is unclear how long the government had such access, Musk's comments suggest the situation is far more widespread than many may have considered. In addition to discussing government surveillance on social media, Musk also expressed concerns about the, dan about the dangers of artificial intelligence. In an alarmist view, it's bold of you to say alarmist, Musk stated that he believes AI has the potential to cause the downfall of civilization. Quote, AI is more dangerous than, say, mismanaged aircraft design or production maintenance or bad car production in the same sense that it has the potential, however small one may, uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential for civ uh, uh, civilizational destruction, Musk said. AI is more dangerous than, say, mismanaged uh, aircraft design or production maintenance or, or, or b bad car production uh, in the sense that it is, it has the potential, uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. Last week, in another interview with the BBC, Musk, a self-confessed workaholic, confirmed he sometimes sleeps on a sofa in a library in Twitter San Francisco headquarters. The Tesla and SpaceX boss was criticized for cutting half the company's full-time staff in one week, ending remote working and setting up ultimatum for remaining staff to agree to longer, more intense working patterns or leave. Yeah, do your fucking job or hit the fucking bricks. It's that simple. And a lot of people working from home weren't working. They were sitting on their ass doing absolutely fuck all. Let's hop over here just for some fun. 
Play this, play this. Cause Welcome it's to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. This so this past yeah. week, went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the pit. Then I had a meeting, so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms, which were so cool. They're literally noise canceling. Took my meeting, got ready for lunch. Look how delicious this food looks. Oh my goodness, I was so overwhelmed. Then made my way down to this log cabin area. I don't know what this is, but it was really cool. Played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit. Um, unwind? Tough day. Also Probably found this really cool room that I thought was super neat. Um, I didn't do any yoga, but they have this yoga room if you were a yogi, so also thought that was really cool. Um, had a couple more meetings in the afternoon, had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out. Say hi to my teammates. Um, went, to the, went to the library to kind of get some more work done. Obviously had to have our afternoon coffee, so made some espresso. And then before leaving for the day, had some red wine um, that's on tap. Went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather. <laughs> so awesome trip! Wow, <laughs> amazing! She did one meeting. That's a six-figure salary, kids. You could be so lucky to have a job that doesn't really exist, and you get wine on tap, and you get espressos and green matcha tea, and you get to go to the meditation room because you got on wine. Well, they can't afford to give people a year off then because they, they clearly don't need clearly. them. Yeah. All right, and something else to keep in mind. Over here at Forbes, workers are less productive working remotely. At least that's what their bosses think. It's an interesting little article. Dr. Gleb Tripersky. Workers with a full schedule flexibility report 29% higher productivity and 53% greater ability to focus than workers with no ability to shift their schedule according to a just-announced report from Future Forum. Is that a World Economic Forum thing? But do bosses trust employees to be productive when working out of the office? Microsoft released a new study where it found that 85% of leaders say that the shift to hybrid work has made it challenging to have confidence that employees are being productive more, uh, uh, <clears throat> more concretely. 49% of managers think hybrid workers struggle to trust their employees to do their best work. This lack of trust in worker productivity has led to what Microsoft researchers termed productivity paranoia, where leaders fear that loss of productivity due to employees not working even though hours worked, numbers of meetings, and other activities metrics have increased. That data aligns with new report from Citrix based on a global survey of 900 business leaders and 1,800 knowledge workers. The fuck is that? Those who can do their job remotely, half of all business leaders believe that when employees are working out of sight, they don't work as hard, and 48% of business leaders installed monitoring software on computers of their employees to check their work. No wonder why only 49% of employees say they trust their employer. Well, I mean, yeah, you're going to want to keep an eye on people, uh, on people, especially if it's a company computer, you're going to want to keep an eye on what they're doing. 
the perspective now if you're taking your shit home and they're spying you at home now that's why i never took a, a school laptop home with me the perspective of this traditionalist half of business leader uh half of business leaders align with elon musk's demand that all tesla and spacex employees be visible in the office and to work full-time in person including knowledge workers that's based on musk's belief that remote remote goddamn workers are phoning it in and only pretend to work musk's demand for improving productivity via full-time office work for knowledge workers is something to which other traditionalist leaders aspire indeed a survey done by microsoft shows that 50 percent of the bosses of knowledge workers god i hate this phrase intend to force them into the office by spring 2023 according oh shit we're there According to Future Forum survey, the skepticism towards work from home tends to come from older leaders in their 50s and 60s. Leaders under 50 are much more accepting of hybrid and remote work and focus on how to do it well. Yeah, and Twitter was going belly up at the time Elon Musk when he took over the company. The company was not performing very well, and as Elon Musk said himself... When you aren't pushing the government's narrative or running a propaganda device, you don't need thousands of employees. Just kind of seems to make sense. Now, let's jump back over to this article real quick. Actually, because I, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, I read a little bit further, I actually should, just for transparency, read a little bit more into this article. Just no one thinks I'm dodging anything. Is the belief of this traditionalist older half of the business leadership that workers are more productive in the office based on the facts? Not at all. Already before COVID, we had peer-reviewed research demonstrating that remote work improved productivity. A NASDAQ-listed company randomly assigned call center employees to work from home and or the office for nine months. Workers from home resulted in a 13% performance increase due to a combination of fewer sick days and a quieter, more convenient work environment. Those working from home had improved work satisfaction and a 50% lower uh, attrition rate. A more recent study with random assignment of programmers, marketing, and finance staff found that a hybrid work similarly... uh, work similar uh similarly to remote work reduces attrition by 35 percent and resulted in eight percent of uh eight percent more code written yeah but not all jobs are this cushy are they these are very desk paper pusher jobs now there's a lot of work with you know, with uh twitter that you can and can't do from home same thing with tesla uh tesla and spacex there's tons of like on the ground hands-on stuff that have to be done, both design and you know I don't know all the details to it. I've watched a Lex Friedman interview with him before. <laughs> now, uh, again, I want to make sure because you see this says that there is a lot of benefits to working from home and working remotely. I'm skeptical of these studies. I'm skeptical of this claim. If I ran a workplace, I would want all my workers to be in person or to hit the bricks. But hey, run companies how you wish to run companies. Now, back over here. Last week in another interview with the BBC, Musk, a self-confessed workaholic, read that, SpaceX, 
minutes are shutting down. Uh, no longer intense. Pattern to relieve. It led to concerns that the platform could struggle to survive with the reduced maintenance team and available engineers. Musk admitted that shutting down one of Twitter service centers had ended up being quite catastrophic. As a result, the platform uh, the platform losing a large amount. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, my vision is a little blurry. Let me zoom in. I'm gonna make it a little bit bigger. There we go. Musk admitted shutting down one of Twitter's service centers had ended up being quite catastrophic, as it resulted in the platform losing a large amount of its functionality. He also said the business was now roughly breaking even, could be profitable again soon, and he would be open to selling it, uh, selling it to the right person. Musk also revealed legacy blue check marks will finally be removed this week. Oh boy, people will seethe. Musk stated last month that eight that legacy verified Twitter users would see blue ticks remove from the service on April 1st unless they paid monthly fee of $8 to its Twitter blue subscription operation. As a result, thousands of the platform high-profile users were br- were braced to lose their ticks, which can help uh, verify their identity and distinguish them from the imposters. At least now it can. Back then, originally, it was to mark people who were well-behaved. But the legacy blue ticks have remained in place past the original deadline of April 1st. Blue ticks, in theory, all legacy blue ticks gone, gone, gone next week. And this is... And at that point... You'll kind of work out whether this is going to sink or swim. Yes. What's your What's your hunch? I mean, you've obviously. I think it's going to swim. Yeah. Yeah, it'll swim just fine. Okay. What are you looking for in terms of in terms of a revenue stream on that? What are your goals? Well, I, I don't know if it's like necessarily a giant revenue stream. Um, you know, because even if you have, if you have sort of a million uh, people that are subscribed for let's say a hundred dollars a year ish, that's a uh, hundred million. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, Muskrat, get over yourself. You just aren't that important. Everything you touch fails. Uh, Katie Cat, cope and seethe, bitch. You are factually inaccurate. And I bet you drive a fucking Tesla. Uh, what a man, too. There are certainly a lot of jealous people across the world who like to criticize successful people and companies. Absolutely. And Atomic Funk, a Putin apologist being interviewed by another Putin apologist. I don't believe a word Musk says. Now, you're a fucking shill and you're probably vaccinated, but when it comes to China and the Neuralink stuff and the transhumanist viewpoints, there's a lot of questioning Elon Musk over, and yet you've mentioned none. Moving on. That being said, I'm actually going to wrap this episode of Inside Four Walls up here. I want to try and record one more episode and get it up before I go to bed. Maybe I'll record more later on today. Well, I definitely will record more later on today. But I have been up since mid uh, since about 11 p.m. recording. It is now 8.26 a.m. So I'm getting pretty tired. So that being said, I'm going to let you all go. I've been your host, James Madison. This has been Inside Four Walls, and I'll catch you all later. Peace. So the headline here so far is that before Elon Musk bought it, Twitter wasn't so much a social media site as a 
honey trap operated by global intelligence agencies, including our own. One of the very first things Elon Musk did was fire all the spies who worked at Twitter. Then he fired a lot of other people, too, including the entire PR department, the HR department, and a lot of other useless baggage who weren't helping the company do anything worth doing. And what happened next? We asked him. Meant a shrinking pie, obviously, for uh, most uh, of the traditional media companies um, and made them more desperate to uh, get uh, clicks, to get, to get, you know, get attention. Um, and uh, it's made them, when, you know, when, they were, when they're in a sort of a desperate state, they will then tend to really push uh, headlines that get the most clicks, whether those headlines are accurate or not. Um, so it's resulted, in my view, I think, I think most people would agree, uh, a, a less truthful, less accurate news. Um, so uh, because they, they just got to get a rise out of people. Um, and uh, I think it's also increased the negativity of the news because yeah. uh, I think we humans instinctually uh, respond more to negative. I think we have an instinctual negative bias, uh, which which kind of makes sense in that, like, uh, if, if um, like, let's say, you're, uh, like, it's more important to remember where we, where was the lion or where was the tribe that wants to kill my tribe. Then where is the bush with berries? Yes. Like one's like a permanent negative outcome, and the other is like, well, I might go hungry. <laughs> so yeah. meaning like there's an asymmetry in um, sort of an evolved asymmetry in negative versus positive stuff, um, and 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 also historically the negative stuff would have been quite proximate, like it would have been near, represented a real danger to you as a person. Um, if you heard negative news, you, you, because historically, you know, like a few hundred years ago, we, we're not hearing about what negative things are happening on the other side of the world or, or on the other side of the country. We're only we're hearing about negative things in our village, um, things that could actually have a, 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 a bad effect on you. Whereas now we're hearing about, I mean, the news very often seems to attempt to uh, answer the question, what is the worst thing that happened on Earth today? And <laughs> <laughs> you wonder why you sad after reading that, you know? Do you read any? Legacy media outlets. I, I mean, I really get most of my news from Twitter at this point. It, it is the number one news news source, I think, uh, in the world at this point. What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter? One of the great business stories of the year. <laughs> I think we're about we're about twenty uh, percent of uh, the original size. Uh, so eighty percent left. Uh, yes. So. I mean, a lot of people voluntarily. Sure, sure, but but it's eighty percent are gone from the day you took over. That's correct. Yes. So how do you run the company with only twenty percent of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, that, all that many people to run Twitter. But eighty percent—that's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over. I mean, if you're, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization, uh, with with, and you're not care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out. <laughs> how many others, without naming names, but how many, I had dinner with somebody who runs a big company recently who said, I'm really inspired by Elon. And I said, Do you, the free speech stuff? He goes, no, the firing <laughs> the staff stuff. Yeah. Um, how, many, how many other CEOs have come to you um, to talk about this? I, I spend a lot of time at work, uh, so it's not like I'm meeting with lots of people. They see what, I, what actions I've taken. 
Um, and um, but I, I think we just had a situation at Twitter where it was uh, absurdly overstaffed. You know, so it wasn't uh, you know, like you look at say like what does it really take to operate Twitter? Um, you know, I mean, most of what we're talking about here is a, a group text uh, service at scale. Um, like, how many people are really needed for that? You know, um, and if you look at the, you say like, uh, what has been the product development uh, over time with Twitter? And you like so like you know years versus product improvements, and it's like a pretty flat line. So what are they doing? You know. Uh, it took a year to add an edit button that doesn't work most of the time. I mean, this is, I feel like if it was a comedy situation here, you know. Um, you're not making cars, you know. Uh, it's very difficult to make cars um, or get rockets to orbit. So, um, you know, it, it, the real question is like, how did it get so absurdly overstaffed? Uh, this is insane. Um, so, anyway, that's, and it's clearly working. Um, in fact, I think it's working better than ever. It's fa we, we've increased the uh, responsiveness of the system by, in some cases, over 80%. We're trying to make, make Twitter the most trusted place on the Internet, the least untrustworthy place on the Internet. I don't think anyone should trust the Internet, but, but maybe we can make Twitter the least untrustworthy. Like I said, try to get uh, the, the truth to the people um, as, as best we can. When Elon Musk took over Twitter, the company had something called a human rights team. There was no measurable increase in human rights around the world. In fact, Twitter was doing its best to crush human rights, starting with the most basic, which is the right to say what you really think. Elon Musk, in his spare time, runs the world's biggest rocket company. Couldn't resist asking him if he ever sees anything out there in space that's not human. So we did. A lot of black people are under the impression that cops are killing black people every day for no reason whatsoever, when really the biggest threat to a black person is another black person. In Chicago, a toddler is now the latest victim of the city's deadly surge in gun violence. 12% of the country is black, committing almost 50% of the homicides. 7,000 homicides last year of black people, almost half of the total. If a black person walks out of their house, the ch odds are thousands to one that they're going to be killed by another black person before they're killed by a cop. Cops are actually 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a cop. Eighty-five to 95% of interracial crimes and violence were black White. Five people face possible murder charges after police say they attacked this woman, then set her on fire. Every single indicator of murder, rape, robbery, they're all going in the wrong direction. The video clearly shows four guys walking up to Mason and attacking. He never lets go of his groceries as they take turns kicking and punching him on the ground. He comes up to me, kicks me in the face, and screams Black Lives Matter. The media spends a seemingly endless amount of time telling white people, especially... This is what the community looks like! Ain't no more f***ing tonight! This is what the community looks like! This is what the community looks like!
Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and welcome back, as I just said. Don't know why I felt the need to repeat that. Two teens shot, injured, as rioting continues in Chicago for three nights straight. But I thought since they got rid of Lori Lightfoot, things were going to be a bit different around these parts. Nah, no. Like I told you. More like new management. You know what I mean? We have a couple articles to get into today, so let's get into it. This is more of a social decay segment, if it's anything else. But yeah, rioting. I've been saying for a while, 2016 energy is coming back, and with that, the downside of 2016 energy. Mass rioting across the country. Then again, that's like the one element that's never really left. This article is by Sarah Higgin, or Higgin. CPD, Chicago Police Department, reported that they had arrested 15 people near Millennium Park, 9 adults, and 6 juveniles. Yo, free this boy. Anyway, on Saturday, two teens were shot as a mob of young people rioted on North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, according to the Chicago Police uh, Department. Both the victims were boys. One 16-year-old was shot in the arm, and one 17-year-old was shot in the leg. Both were transported to Northwestern Memorial Hospital by Chicago Fire Department. Man, they're this close to ending up on some t-shirts. Video shows hundreds of people causing chaos in downtown Chicago by jumping on vehicles, including CTA buses. Assaulting motorists and getting into fights, according to Chicago Police Department CPD. Someone fired shots around 9 p.m. as a crowd was gathered on Washington Street near North Michigan Avenue. CPD reported that they had arrested 15 people near Millennium Park. Nine adults, six juvenile CPD, said most of the charges were for reckless conduct, but one 16-year-old was charged with unlawful use of a weapon. Oh, it gets way worse than from here. Uh, Andy No. Who's like the uh, he's like the editor in chief at large for the Post Malone, I believe is his official compa- uh, capacity there. On Saturday evening, mobs of youths rioted on Michigan Ave in Chicago before shooting broke out. Turn up the audio, make sure the brightness is up. Two youths were shot and transported to the hospital. Where them white people at? I thought uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering. I, I thought uh, I thought white people were a big risk to black people. It seems like it's a crowd of black people who are being dangerous of themselves. Just an observation. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty. Like, there's always there's always white people in the crowds and the rise. There's usually in the black block side side of things. <laughs> Sorry, this one right here got me. 
What the fuck looks like the dude from uh, Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs? <laughs> Moving on. The rioting by youths. Youths. Went on for four hours on Saturday. Sorry about that. I live by an air base. Uh, for hours on Saturday night in Chicago. According to local CWB, Saturday's incident was the third consecutive night youth were out causing trouble in the downtown area. On Thursday evening, a large group gathered in Millennium Park where a 16-year-old girl was injured as a fight broke out. On Friday night, a 14-year-old boy was shot around the thir- around 31st Street Beach. There's no beaches anywhere over there, so it's a weird street name. Friday and Saturday's crowds were reported to have formed as a result of the investigations being sent over, uh, as a result of invitations being sent out over social media. Videos of the night's events circulated across Twitter on Sunday. Yeah, see, there's a blooper that I'll have it in at the end of this episode. I forgot to mention at the beginning of this. Yeah, this is just spontaneous. It just kind of happened. But crowds of violent youths. And kids just started roaming the streets of Chicago, flipping over shit, attacking people. It's a little wild. Same clip we saw. Any new footage or just the same footage? It's just the same footage. Uh, Raw's Alerts posted one video that shows a significant police response in the area. The massive size of the crowd as one part showed the moment gunfire rang out. Just question. There needs to be an investigation to where this invitation came out from. I wonder if it could ever be linked to George Soros in any way, or any of these like Act Blue type crowds that always fundraise and seem to be behind the organization of all these violent activist groups and just like sudden spontaneous outbursts of this t- type of bullshit. But I've talked about this before. A big thing they do is they recruit on uh, on uh, Craigslist. You go on Craigslist right now, like lead them to a politician, download download the Craigslist app. And just go scrolling through all the postings, whatever whatever it is, there will be some uh, demo, uh, Democrat op job waiting for you to enroll, and it will be like street activist shit like that. I swear to God, go go check it out sometime. Right here, there's a uh, over here at Raw's Alerts. Breaking chaotic scene unfolds in downtown Chicago as teenagers vandalize cars and gunfire erupts. I mean, it is Chicago. There is currently a significant police response taking place in downtown Chicago due to a large group of teenagers causing chaos. They have been. They have been. Okay. Neat. That's their quality, not mine. I have a dream. But you motherfuckers will not burn down American cities. <laughs> oh. uh, a strong 75 IQ holder just pulled out the blicky and everybody ran real quickly. Yeah, yeah, skipped my loot, copy. This is America. Ugh. Don't catch you slipping. Uh, uh, uh. Wait, hold on. Was my man? Um, I, this is so irrelevant. But hold on. Was he wearing a fucking bait hoodie? Did I see it? Did I fucking see it? Hold on. I did. Motherfucker, dude. Look. There's some things from 2016 that don't need to come back. A fucking bape hoodie? Go fuck yourself. 
Supreme Chump. Actually, Supreme Patty popped up in my recommendations recently. I was like, Supreme Patty still exists? I don't know. This looks a lot like uh, Washington, D.C. in 2020 and, uh, like, early parts of 2021. It's, like, not that far off looking. I want to be there with my camera. That's all I'm thinking right now. I was like, man, I could get, get, if I could get a car, get a ride, go down there and film shit right now. But my foot's broken. Oh, well. Alderman of Chicago's 15th Ward, Raymond Lopez, oh boy, tweeted a video and said, quote, This was Chicago last night. Save, uh, save the excuses and uh, rationalizations. Unless you want this to be a norm. Uh, dude, it already is a norm in Chicago. I don't know what to tell you. Held them and their parents accountable. Hold them and their parents accountable. Right here. Uh, that's the end of this article. Now let's hop over here. Shocking moment. Group of jeering youngsters attack women in Chicago on the same night. They torch cars and rampaged. Organized on... Uh, Sorry, let me restart that because I had a stroke mid-fucking way. Shocking moment. Group of jeering youngsters attacks women in Chicago. On the same night... They torch cars in Rampage organized on social media as outgoing Mayor Lori Lightfoot insists carnage wasn't mayhem. Oh, is that what that was? Let me just uh, do this. So thank you and, and thank everyone so much. Um, I feel a lot of love in this room as I felt every step of the way on this journey. Uh, I've called Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis uh, to congratulate them on their victories. No, that's just their fucking defeat speech. Eh, fuck it. Let the good times roll. We were fierce competitors in these last few months, um, but I will be rooting and praying for our next mayor to deliver uh, for the people of the city for years to come. Thank you. All right, moving on. Footage shows a horde of teenagers descending upon then br uh, descending upon and then brutally attacking a woman who looks to be trying to enter her apartment. The violence was part of a teen takeover of the Loop in Chicago. Really? Okay. On Chicago on on a, on Saturday night, which quickly turned violent. The criminal destructive, uh, the criminally destructive teens jumped on city buses, destroyed cars, and shot one another. So, self-solving problem. As the Chicago police struggled to get the situation under control, Sophie Mann. See, here's the thing: I'm all down for the defund the police argument, but at the same time, you gotta up that Second Amendment to go with it. You can't just defund the police. You gotta have that. You gotta have uh, citizens with guns so they can protect themselves. Chicago. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you cannot get a gun. It's so hard for you to get a gun. But if you're a criminal, it's as easy as it is in all 50 states, baby. It's the land of the G, bro. A terrified woman was filmed screaming as she was set on by a group of youngsters. Were you British writing this? During an orgy. An orgy of violence. That's how I'm going to describe this now. It was an orgy of violence, guys. Which outgoing Mayor Lori Lightfoot has insisted wasn't mayhem. Still singing the same old tune, bitch. The 19-second video shot during Saturday's teen takeover. It's been going on for going on four days now. It's day three still, but going on day four. 
showed the group of mostly black teenagers crowding uh, crowding around a white woman attempting to enter her building before pummeling her and moving on. She could be heard screaming with fright at the attack. Yeah, well, you know, I'd hope, right? At bare minimum, at least you're, you know, you're trying to get help. Surprise, no one came to help you. Oh, yeah, it's Chicago. Get out of these cities. Why are you in these cities? Get out. Like, I'm already planning my escape to the country. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <sighs> While her captors cackled with laughter, it's unclear what, if any, prompted the attack. She was white. It was a hate crime. I mean, I don't believe in hate crimes, but you want to do that shit. It was absolutely a fucking hate crime. A bunch of rowdy, violent black teens. Gee, I have to guess what their political affiliations must be. Anyway, they set upon a random white woman trying to get into her apartment, and they beat her. She screamed and begged for someone to come save her. And they laughed. They laughed. This crowd. This crowd right here beating a little little, uh, little woman to death. Well, they didn't beat her to death, but they fucking beat her within an inch of it. And they just leave her there, cackling and laughing. I mean, come on. Do I have to act like these are people? Humans don't do that. I mean, I'm sure some do, but we wouldn't recognize them as human. And, oh, well, you're saying that because... I'm not saying that because they're black. I'm saying it because they had it in them to cackle as they gang beat a woman who was fleeing, trying to get into her apartment. Well, I knew she was fleeing. Oh, yeah, because I'm sure she was sitting there calmly trying to unlock her door while people ran at her. Right, uh-huh. They set upon her because she was white. They beat her because she was white, and they left her there because she was white. While she begged for mercy, they laughed while they beat her because she was white. These aren't These aren't people. We're not dealing with people right now. We're dealing with actual monsters, and we're dealing with a bunch of fatherless children. That whole song applies right now, but this is... This is Chicago. I mean, you're in Chicago. I hate to say you ask for it, but when you don't leave Chicago and you choose to stay in Chicago, you ask for it. I have family in Rockford. A couple years ago, a member of mine got caught, uh, got caught up in a relationship with this real fucking sketchy dude. TLDR, she had a pine box and a toe tag. And I wasn't particularly close, but my response was the same. I'm like, you choose, to, not only do you choose to live in well, it's Rockford, but right there in Chicago. Right next to Chicago, basically. You choose to live there. Not only do you choose to live there, you choose to keep your family there. Not only do you choose to keep your family there, you choose to partake in the sketchy lifestyle that's going on around you. With fucking ravenous abandon. Like, you do not care. And then the consequences of those actions caught up to you. Well, I may sound cold, but... I mean, I can look at one and one and see that it gets two. Get out of these fucking cities. Like, this can happen anywhere. Especially right now if it's like, oh, we can just organize a group on Facebook. By the way, um, well, they're saying organize invites sent on social media. What social media does the invitations? Let me just ask you a question. What what uh, what uh social media platform allows you to make groups and invite people into those groups? Like, it's really only like one group you can think of right now, right? That's a weird noise. That's my cup. Anyway. Anyway. That there, yeah. Just get out of these fucking cities, because these these events can be organized anywhere, at any city, at any point. It could be Austin, Texas tomorrow. It could be Los Angeles. I mean, I, I would say it could be Portland, but 
what Portland isn't on fire currently. There's like five of them. They're all on fire. And Portland, Washington, Seattle, those motherfuckers have been on fire. So, I don't know the sun on those fucking fronts. But I, I like how uh, how we blame all these other, we blame Twitter for organizing violent riots and shit when it's always Facebook. It's always fucking Facebook. Oh well. She could be heard screaming with fright. I just want this to sink in. While her captors cackled with laughter. It's unclear what, if anything, prompted the attack. She was white. Which was on the verge of beginning when the camera began to roll. The footage was tagged with the caption, Yay! We get active! <laughs> Yay! We was Kangs and shit! Nah. 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 A Twitter account sharing details of Windy City Crimes wrote that the footage had been included in a sort of a mixtape on social media uh, that are purporting to be from a large group incident in the city's Loop area on Saturday. Now, the Loop area refers to this big roundabout kind of area more towards the uh, west side of Chicago. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. I, again, I'm more familiar with Rockford. Not much with, like, Chicago and a lot of those other little suburbs. Just Rockford. It's the only part I really know anything about. And I choose to stay the fuck away from it. Um, it's, a big, uh, it's a big metropolitan area. And it's called that because that's where, like, city trams and buses go through, like, stations and everything are along that route. So it's the loop. You can get through the whole city on this one route. Now let's check out this footage. <laughs> Look at that shit. They crowd her. She looks over right as they grab her. Watch her face right here. This is an older woman, too. This ain't exactly like a young whatever. You know what's really fucked up? Before all this BLM and all these riots and all this shit were going on, race never crossed my fucking mind as a factor. Never really uh, crossed my mind to, to, to make assumptions or judge someone based on that. But then all these riots and then shit like this happens, right? And you see these studies and these polls come out where black people are like, oh no, it's not okay to be white. It's like 48.9% of black people say it's not okay to be white, right? And you look at all these riots, you look at all these fucking... And who's always targeted? Now I'm going to leave a link to this video in the description below. And there's a lot of people who... A lot of people, black people we talk to who said like, Nah, it's fine to be white. You know, it's good. It's whatever. Be you, be you. But there is a significant amount... We can pull some stat, uh, some stats here in a minute about this very topic. But check this out. Let me know what you think. Agree or disagree with the following statement? It is okay to be white. No, that's not. That's not okay. It's terrible to be white. No. No comment. <laughs> yes, it's okay to be white. Really don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to be any color. It is okay to be white. Disagree. You disagree? Yes. <laughs> I mean, where are? That was a that was a hell of a question. <laughs> yeah, because it's okay to be black. It's okay to be orange. It's okay to be pink. Oh, I don't even think that should have to be a question. We live in a really odd time where we have to ask that question, you know. No, y'all got too much. Yeah, y'all got too much to be white. That's awful. No. Okay, so, so why is why is that? Why is it not okay to be white? 
Y'all have done race as a people. Y'all have done too much. I would rather. This is probably her daughter too, right here. Like, just absorbing all this shit. I have a thought about racism, right? Like, it doesn't make much sense to me. I get sexism. I I, I get sexism. I get where sexism could come from. Racism doesn't really click with. I don't quite get it. And uh, crack a lot of jokes about you know the western, the westernized black people, of course. But you you go to like Africa, Haiti, you go to Haiti, you go to you know a lot of these like real actual what they would call the homeland. You know the fucking western clown front we got here. But you go to Africa and these like sub these sub uh, countries of Africa and these nations and whatnot. You go talk to these people; they're very conservative, they're very religious, and they have a very low view of Western blacks. And then on top of all that, right? IQs here are like specifically lower than they are in other countries. So it's it's a Western problem of some kind. It, it, it is absolutely a Western problem of some kind. Because we don't see these problems with whites and blacks in tons of other countries. It's exclusively, like, a Western front. You know, you go through, like, the Cradle of Earth, which is, like, I keep referencing Africa, the Cradle of Earth, you know, you, the, the, the Cradle of all of life. And you look at all these different continents and countries in there. You have these, these warring countries and these warring factions, but they've been warring forever. Like, that's just these very small portions we hear a lot about, but overwhelmingly across different countries in Africa. Well, more specifically, like, <laughs> very generalizing here because I don't want to get into the minutiae because I don't know how to pronounce half the names of these places. But race isn't that big of a factor to, to anybody. They kind of just function. Like Elon Musk, for example. You know he's African-American, right? Yeah, he's from Africa. Mm, he's from Diamond Mind, but that's beside the point. So there's something specifically going wrong with race here, and I don't know what it is. Asians have great education here. White people do all right here, and it, like it seems to be very based on area you're at. And of course, you know you have the more blue areas, the more victim mentality seems to exist, and the more red areas, the more hardworking people tend to be. And that just seems to be more of a norm between the two. This is a little bit more of a rant now, apparently. But the thing I don't get about about racism, right? It doesn't make much sense because you, you remove the skin, we we look the same. There's not like a biological difference other than like melanin content. That's a, a, I guess hair, but that's about it. There's not, like, a physical, like, you take a, a black guy with my same build and physique, that's it. We're just, he's a black guy version of me. That's it. Same build, same strength, same everything. There's nothing different about us other than, than pigment. But now, I, 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 that's why I don't get racism. It seems like a glitch, like an error in programming. I get sexism. Sexism does make sense to me because there is an actual difference there. Men are stronger than women. Men tend to be a lot tougher, you know, a, a lot more durable than women are. Women do all sorts of things that men can't do, and men do all sorts of things women can't do. So there's like the, the that's a difference. I get where sexism could have come from because there's an argument there over like men men have better bodies. Like like we are way more conveniently built. Men have superior forms. We're just not as good to look at as women are. So we win the argument of, like, useful physiques and useful bodies. But when it comes to, like, looking, women win every time. That's not even a competition. Women win the look competition every time. I don't care. There's a certain point of obesity where it doesn't matter anymore. But if you take a 150-pound or, like, let's say a 280-pound dude and a 280-pound woman and you ask me to choose which one I'm going to want to see naked, bro, neither. But <laughs> kidding. Women every fucking time. 
Like, you know, I think even gay guys would probably be like, oh, yeah, women bodies just look better. But on every other front, we win that. The battle of the sexes is won by by the patriarchy. Do not worry on that front. But I'm saying I, I, I get where the uh, where sexism come from because there is a, a significant difference between us there. But when it comes to, like, race differences, I don't I just don't get that one. It's never quite clicked on me, but then all these riots and these protests are coming out and, and, you know, these interviews start coming out and then you have these statistics coming out where more and more black people are less okay with more and more white people. It's like, oh, for my health and safety, do I have to start factoring this into my daily life? And like I said, I, I know there are countless black people out there that have zero concerns or zero problems with white people and there's tons of black people out there who agree with my with my view on politics and worldview there's tons of, of black whites asians mexicans and whatever we're all american and we see ourselves as american we don't see ourselves as these individual race groups and, and i get they exist but the ideology has gone so fucking deep that i feel like there should be some element in me that has to be almost accepting these these assumptions just to just to be safe. Because I remember in 2020, man, you had little you had people little red MAGA hat wearers getting executed in the streets for wearing red MAGA hats. You had people getting beaten and jumped. People walking through Washington D.C. just leaving Trump. Like you had a uh, hell, man. You had a couple senators who were leaving CPAC in 2021, and they got jumped. Like, you know, it's like, damn, do I have to like watch out for myself? Yeah, as a whole. And it's, it's, a, it's a group of people. Too much good or too much bad? Too much bad. The majority is not. It's like bottom of the barrel, really. Really? Yeah. And why do you disagree with that? It's, just, it's the whole privilege thing. It's just, you know, time to give it to other people. It is okay to be white. Are you guys white? Right? I'm white, yeah. yeah. That's how you guys know your wife's asking the question? It's okay to be myself. No, no. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, yeah, it is. It is okay to okay be like... you, dog. What are your guys' thoughts about people that are... I thought you were black. I was albino, I'm sure. They disagree with that, saying no. When the people say it like that is... I don't know. I think they racist when they say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And you gotta live and let live, you know? I think it's better with white and chocolate. And, you know, I think it makes our world, you know? We all have different flavors, just like ice cream. I really like that guy's chain. There's not like, much I can do, but just gotta deal with it. What should I do about that, do you think? Try not to be white. <laughs> that's your um, That's all you could do at this point. Is it okay to be Asian? Nah, you don't want to be them either. Mm-mm. Nah. How about, how about black? Definitely that. That's it. That's it. It's all you could be. It's the coolest thing to be. I mean, you really, after that, you talking bottom of the barrel, really. Asian, that's probably worse than me and white, ain't it? I feel like it's okay, yeah. Is it okay to be Asian? Asian? Yeah. Of course, because I'm Asian. A lot of people that we would speak to, to today would call what you're saying racist. Yeah, I am racist. Are you serious? Or are you... 100%. So you just don't like white people as a whole? No. It's just a matter of color, and color shouldn't come in the way of anything. It seems pretty what fair. Be sure? It is very fair, and that's how life is supposed to be. You're white, obviously. What can you do to change that? Saying it's not okay to be white, what, what can you do to change that? Fund the United Negro College Fund. Leave your inheritance to African American people. You know, like the beach. I'm sure you're just drowning in wealth to leave behind, my man. Just give them back the property that was stolen from them, African Americans particularly, but yeah. Are you yourself planning on giving your inheritance to African American people? Do all sorts of that stuff already, yeah. Why do you think some people are saying no to that question? 
I don't know. Let's That's probably it. a personal issue within themselves because it's okay to be whoever you are. You hear that within your own life at all or no? No, I don't. That's, that's weird. I mean, we're all the same, man. We're all, I mean, we might be different colors, but, man, we all bleed the same color. We're all equal, man. It's not okay to be white? Yeah, they said that. Yeah. People say that? Yeah. Wow. Um, I think that they're not the judge at the end of the day. God is. And um, if he's okay with you or or myself, then we should also agree. Should we be judging people based on the content of their character yeah. and not the color of their skin? No, you need to, the color of skin is very important. By the way, do you agree with her? Yes, she does. I have a black son. I don't want my son coming home with no white woman. At all. He know better. This girl does not agree. I don't think this girl actually agrees. That look, that was like, damn, that was a little far. Yes! How old's your son? 21. And he's not allowed to date. Not he could date who he want, but they can't come in my house, and I'm not gonna have no parts of it. I don't want no mixed babies. I want a black baby grandchild. I think this That's black chick just learned a lot. All about right, this woman. everyone, let's take a quick moment to talk about today's. Let's not. Yeah. I kind of just want to see more interviews with these people. Is that correct? Yeah. Only fifty-three percent of black Americans said. Yes, to that poll. Does that surprise there you? you? Okay, no. so I was off, right? I said, like, it was, like, 48% said that it wasn't okay to be white. Okay, so 53% said it was okay. All right, kind of in the ballpark. I was kind of in the ballpark. No. It doesn't surprise me. No, no, really. It does. Black it people are really racist. Is that okay? Yeah. Why do you guys think that is? Because that's obviously problematic. Oh, man. Maybe they're thinking about like a mind state instead of the color. Talk to this guy's so outfit. maybe just maybe just uh, a white mindset. Well, if you would have asked, <laughs> hold up. That's obviously probably based. Is it okay? This yeah. guy said he goes. It has something to do with that white mindset. She goes, the fuck's a white mindset? Why do Love you that. Think that is? That's obviously problematic. Oh, man. Maybe they're thinking about like a mind state instead of the color. So maybe just maybe just uh, a white mindset. <laughs> Well, if you would have asked me if it's okay to be black, it's like the same thing. Yeah, I mean, why would it not be? I mean, it's just like, it's like kind of saying like it's okay to be black. Like it's, it's the exact same thing. Same, exact yeah. I feel like it's not okay to be racist. It is okay to be racist. Uncle Ruckus. But that's Auntie Ruckus. Have made it where it's so easy to be racist. White people has get, put that foundation down, and it's just normal. I'm are you scared of me? <laughs> From my so, perspective, that shouldn't even be a question. It's it's a it's the a dumb fact, question. The fact, the fact that you're asking that says a lot about the fact that you gotta ask that as a question. The the fact that that was it's a question in a poll in, and of itself. in itself is a concern. Do you think that viewpoint of you know it is not okay to be white? Don't you think that's kind of a genocidal viewpoint? Like, I mean, like what what do they do? They can't do anything about the. You can't change this. You cannot change who you are. You cannot change. Well, you, you can't, can't change your skin color. You can kind you of change who you are. You can't change. That's what I'm saying. You can't change your skin color for sure. You can't do that. So what do white people do about that? But you, in perspective of how people look and treat others, that's what I feel. I think everyone can work on that. Oh yeah, okay, I agree. Is it racist to say that uh, it is not? All right. That kind of seems like the end of uh, seems like the end of the interviews with those people. Moving on. Actually, real quick, you know what? No, we'll 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 go. This episode's running a little bit longer. Maybe I'll make a little episode out of that argument exclusively. But I thought it might be kind of important to 
was, I was thinking of that interview. It's a really good interview. I'm like, you know what? This guy actually gets a pretty decent mix of opinions on this topic. So play a part of it, but focus on that one woman mostly. <clears throat> Sorry. More footage from the evening of chaos showed some teenagers jumping on top of a bus while others started a massive brawl after descending on Millennium Park and attempting to breach barricades. Gunshots rang out with rounds striking two teenage boys aged 16 and 17 who reported to be in stable condition as of Sunday. Cars were also left vandalized near East Washington Street in the Windy City, including a Tesla, which <laughs> which was seized and torched. Well, to be fair, that could have just been the battery. That man had nothing to do with them. The situation began Saturday, when a crowd of more than 100 rowdy teenagers turned violent as dozens torched and smashed cars while, barring, while blaring music. In total, 15 people were arrested, including 9 adults and 6 children. See, now, these are the 6 kids who should have been at school, uh, on, who should have been at school in Nashville. I'm kidding. Police were able to control or hamper the damage, were unable to control or hamper the damage done by the teens, whose numbers may have exceeded 1,000 people. Following uh, the chaos wrought upon the, upon the downtown Chicago, by hordes of teenagers, outgoing Mayor Lori Lightfoot weighed in on the events, telling a local reporter that she thinks calling the weekend scene mayhem is incorrect. Ah, we're just going to play the clip. We don't need to read her quotes. Just hop here instead. Wake up with CBS News Detroit. Weekday mornings, 5 to... No. specific statement. The police department uh, is working with community partners. There's lots of opportunities for us to redirect the young people um, to safe spaces. And, and here's the thing. The vast majority of the young people that came downtown came downtown because it was a great um, weather and an opportunity to enjoy the city. That's absolutely entirely appropriate. Um, there are a few that came with different intentions, and they have, they have and they will be dealt with. Um, but I'm not going to um, use your language, which I think is um, wrong, uh, to say that it's man. Um, we have taken steps and we'll take steps to address these teen trends. It's not the first time uh, that we've uh, addressed these issues. But our young people have an opportunity um, and, and a right to enjoy the entirety of our city. But they have to do it in a way that is respectful for people and property. And we did address that um, over the weekend and we will continue to address it. It's why did we put some of the um, changes in place last summer regarding uh, weekend curfew, uh, restrictions on unaccompanied minors uh, at Millennium Park. We want people to, our young people to enjoy yeah, it seems uh, the like it really works. safely and respectfully. And I would encourage parents, check out the My Shy My Future app, which shows seven days a week, all over the city, opportunities uh, for young people uh, to take advantage of safe space um, uh, activities uh, with, with uh, caring and supportive adults. A variety of activities uh, do exist, um, and we're going to make sure that we keep um, amplifying those opportunities uh, for young people so they can enjoy the city all over the city. Were you pleased with the police response? All right, I'll leave a link to that in the description below. All right. 
Brandon Johnson. Oh, we'll get into him soon. He's actually the last article for this upload. Uh, Mayor-elect Johnson's statement on last night's unrest. In no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the Loop and Lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, it is not constructive to demonize youth. How about rioters, you fuck? Who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. What? There's always white people trying to buy weed. What are you talking about? I'm kidding. But that's absolutely not true at all. There's tons of outreach programs. They just say no to them. Quote, Our city must work together to create a space for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome for both residents and visitors. I'm never going back to your fucking dump, bro. Just fucking shove that up. This is one aspect of my comprehensive approach to improve public safety and make Chicago livable for everyone. Mm. For everyone. <laughs> this is what community looks like. This is what community looks like. Right. Following the night of destruction, Chicago's mayor-elect said the city should not demonize the teenagers who organized the takeover over the weekend. <coughs> Brandon Johnson, 47, said Sunday that he does not condone the destructive activity and that it is unacceptable and has no place in Chicago, but that should not be used as a way to vilify the group. However, it is not constructive to demonize. You already read that one, said Johnson, a progressive Democrat. Johnson, the mayor-elect and former union organizer. Oh, commie fuck. Got it. I bet he's a trained Marxist. Uh who called for new taxes and more social programs in Chicago. Well, never mind, he absolutely is. Despite the outrage over the violence and destruction, Johnson said he thinks the only path forward is to work together to give kids safer spaces. Our city must work together to create spaces for youths to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome. Uh, remains, don't you mean welcoming? For both residents and visitors, he said in a statement. One Illinois husband and wife may not see eye to eye with Johnson's plans not to vilify the teens who terrorize the city. The couple has driven from Indianapolis. Ooh, goddamn. Why would you go? Oh, one, one ran to the other, right? Couple had driven from Indianapolis, the ashes that remain of it, to the city on a warm spring weekend to take the take in the sights, but ended their Sunday night with their minivan being attacked by an angry mob and the husband in the hospital. Yeah, again, Minneapolis, Indianapolis? Oh, I'm thinking Minneapolis. I'm retarded. Yeah, Indianapolis is fine. Minneapolis is where all the rioting's going on, too. The pair and another family member were driven near Chicago uh, Cultural Center. The way was Kang Center. When suddenly a mob of teens between eighteen and uh, sixteen and eighteen began climbing uh, and hitting our truck, the wife told local news outlet. She told a local news outlet, "Quote: We even saw them get on top of a bus." She said. The husband, who was in the driver's seat at the time, was treated for cuts, but his wife says the injuries are more emotional than physical. "Quote." I Sorry, I should have rolled my eyes, but come on. Fuck off with that emotional shit. Quote, We're so scared right now. 
We don't want to uh, step out of the house, she said. Four hours after the incident, my husband and I were just shaking. The family's Toyota minivan had its windows shattered and several large dents uh, on the back of the vehicle. Let's look at the comments real quick. First three. Glitzy consort. Mandatory military draft is what is needed. Uh, yeah, I don't support the draft, homie, but I get where you're coming from. I kind of see your argument there, but no. Then what is mayhem? Uh, he sells you uh, car insurance. Hypercapitalization. Hypercapitalism fallout. More to come. Okay, social bro. And Bad Sushi says, It's how the left shows love. You should see, <laughs> should see how much they showed us out here in L.A. when Trump was president. Oh, yeah, trust me, I did. That being said, let's hop over here to the last article for this upload. Chicago's mayor-elect warns against demonizing rampaging teens after unrest. They sound like a group of intellectuals. Ah, what the hell. So much for that. Let me do a little restart here. Figure out what happened. Moving on. Chicago's mayor-elect Brandon Johnson responded to this weekend's violent teen takeover of the Windy City's downtown area by urging the public not to demonize the horrors of rampaging young people who set cars on fire, clashed with cops, and damaged private property. Johnson, a progressive former teachers' union organizer who was elected mayor earlier this month, uh, released a statement Sunday reaching, uh, reacting to the disorder in his city and resulted in a shooting and more than a dozen arrests. Quote, we've already read this, but in no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the Loop and Lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. Johnson said, Johnson stated, tweeted, or uh, sorry, quoted, well, however, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunity in their in their own communities. That sounds so. This guy used to be a Washington County judge uh, named Judge Sheldon. Absolute feckless old fuck. Fepid pussy. There was this guy. He stabbed his mom like sixteen times. Uh, I was sitting there in the court. Don't worry about why. Uh, he stabbed this like, this guy. Stabbed his mom like seventeen times or whatever the fuck. Like, like some insane number, and put out like cigarettes on her. He was given like a ten day boot camp apologized to and the mom was reprimanded and he was told and the mom was like told that you know she has to take this kid back in until he finds a new place to live but he has until the end of the year to move out and it was like the end of january when this trial was going on so it's like she had like 11 months basically to deal with this fucker that's the kind of shit you have to you you look forward to he continued our city must work together to create spaces for use we are of this for use to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome. I think you mean to say welcoming for both our residents and visitors. Johnson 47 added that his goals as mayor is to improve public safety and make Chicago livable for everyone. Two nights of unrest, which uh, were organized on social media, saw packs of out-of-control teens clash with cops, brawl with each other, vandalize property, and break into and set fire on cars. 
One video showed several youngsters jumping up and dancing on top of city bus. You've already read that. Chicago police said two minors aged 16 and 17 were wounded when someone in the crowd on East Street, Washington, opened fired. No arrests have been made in that incident. The incoming mayor's response uh, to the teen-led chaos was met with a swift backlash from conservatives on social media. Chicago is so screwed, wrote Colin Rugg, a nice co-owner of right-wing news outlet Trending Politics. I mean, he's right-wing, but Trending Politics? Mm. If I was fucking right-leaning as political wire, political wire is rated neutral, so I'd see that rating system. Quote, Incredible statement to those who saw the videos of violence and destruction. Don't demonize youth for a little pop-up, for a little pop-up riot. It's actually your fault they did this, tweeted Mike Cernovich, a conservative conspiracy theorist. Oh, fuck off. He's right about almost everything. Other critics warned that Johnson's reaction to the unrest... Uh, a month before his inauguration, did not bond well for Chicago's future, did not bode well for Chicago's future. Quote, Chicago is about to fall to Detroit and Baltimore levels of ruin. Actually, fuck you, Detroit's actually on the come up. Get real with that one. Duggan's been phenomenal for Detroit. Fight me. One user wrote, while another predicted, uh, quote, Chicago will see more of this with Brandon Johnson as mayor. The exodus of business, residents, and visitors from downtown is only going to get worse. Lawlessness is becoming rampant. Well, all of Illinois is becoming Chicago. Chicago's outgoing mayor, Lori Lightfoot, also released a statement addressing the teen takeover. And I understand there are people in the red parts of Chicago who might hear that and roll their eyes. You are in a very rare part of Chicago. You are in a very rare part of Illinois. Illinois as a whole is blue. I'm just saying, don't don't sit here and get fucking. You know what you're talking about? No, I do. I know exactly what I'm talking about. You live in a in, in one of like the rare 13 red parts or little red dots of Illinois. Don't 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 get mouthy with me. I I I know I have family who lives in red parts of, of Illinois, and I I just heard the voices in the back of my head giving me shit for that one. Well, I heard their voices giving me shit because they're gonna listen to it and they're gonna give me shit. Anyway, she said that while many of the youngsters gathered to have a good time and enjoy. Oh, what, a summer of love? A spring of love? And enjoy unseasonably warm weather. She conceded that some were involved in a reckless, disrespectful, and unlawful behavior. Quote, As I have said before, we as a city cannot and will not allow any of our public spaces to become platforms for criminal conduct. Lightfoot wrote, Most importantly, parents and guardians must know where their children are and be responsible for their actions. Instilling uh, the important values of respect for people and property must begin at home. Hundreds and possibly as many as a thousand, so more than a thousand, safe to bet, teens uh, covered, uh, converged, sorry, on Chicago Loop for Teen Takeover. Was that a thing on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon back in the day, the Teen Takeover? Where, like, uh, I don't know, I'm, 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 coming up on 26 i'm sure there's some other one person my age out there listening to this remember that like uh it was like the the teen it was like kid kid choice and it wasn't the kid the the kid's choice or it was a kid choice and it was like the morning block for like programming and then they had like the teen takeover from like what was it like fucking basically when school got out so like 3 30 to 7 30 where people could just vote on the website for whatever they wanted to watch. That's how you ended up with, like, a billion hours of fucking iCarly for no fucking reason, because the only one who, only people who watch Nickelodeon were obnoxious fucks. 
Sorry, if you can't tell, I was a Cartoon Network fan. Well, I was a Cartoon Network fan of Cartoon Network after 9.30. And if you know, you know. (laughs) Then again, if you recognize my outro music, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hundreds of possibly thousands uh, is responsible in response to social media posts about planning gathering near Millennium Park. It's going to be Facebook. I like how no one's telling me where this came from. Police responded and turned away many minors from the park. But witnesses reported that despite increased police presence, cops were outnumbered. Were still outnumbered. At least 15 people, among them juveniles, were arrested in connection with the unrest. Mostly reported were, uh, most reportedly ch- were charged with reckless conduct. First three comments here. Chuck Wood. These kids have not been starved of any opportunity. Agreed. As the mayor suggests, the number of social programs, education assistances, monetary assistance, etc., is available and not capitalized on because of their own refusal to want to create a way out. The culture, this culture, in question, seems to look down on its own people who achieve success for re- for some reason that I cannot grasp. Yeah, look at the fucking verbal and physical repulsion a lot of these BLM types get when you say Thomas Sowell around them. And by the way, I, I manage this all the time. I-, I-, I get we like to be edgy in the comments. Say what you want about black people. If it wasn't for a certain black Supreme Court justice right now, America would be 50 shades of fucked. Just know that. My ideal Supreme Court is Clarence Thomas and seven clones of Clarence fucking Thomas. Or just Chief Justice Clarence Thomas. I love Clarence Thomas. This man is phenomenal. And he's the only thing. He's one of the only people keeping America, America right now. So, but they hate him. BLM hates Clarence Thomas. The left hate Clarence Thomas. Here's the thing. They love Joe Biden, even though Joe Biden falsified rape charges against him to try and keep him out of office. Or from uh, uh, assuming position as chief justice. Like, there's a whole history between Joe Biden and Clarence Thomas. And Clarence Thomas was a civil rights activist originally. It's insane. Johnny Dollar. How much more money has been has to be flushed down the drain to prove that these people, these so-called, uh, these uh, to prove that these so-called help programs don't and won't change a thing? Rudy C. Tell us, Mr. Mayor-elect, exactly which party <laughs> served them these opportunities. Chicago has been Democrat-led for almost 100 years. Uh, the last Republican mayor of Chicago was elected in, in 1927. There is not a single Republican on the 28-member city council. The last Republican city alderman was elected in 1991, 32 years ago. Ooh, how do y'all feel with that one? In Chicago opinion, just because I have to... I don't know why this is gray like this. What Chicago Park District is doing to provide constru- uh, constructive activities for teens in Millennium Park and other Chicago Park uh, venues throughout the city with its $546 million budget during the days and evenings. My guess, Chicago Park District is paying for a lot of patronage without the productivity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, places like Chicago are fucked. And I just want to make sure... I'm, I'm happy I played the interview for everybody to watch. And I'm going to leave a, uh, the full interview in the description below. Actually, you know what? Give me one second real quick. Let's see. Now, 
this, I have two different sources I want to pull up here. A local news outlet using Rasmussen and Washington Examiner's own polling on this. So like I said, most black Americans don't have a problem with any white people based on their skin tone. But there is such a, a, a almost half of them do. Almost, it's almost 50-50. Almost 50% of black Americans think it's not okay and that it's wrong to be white. And this is a pretty consistent number across the board. So right now, you know, like like I was saying, like I have to, with these polls, with these current activities in mind, I have to ask myself these days, like, is this black person walking towards me a threat? Am I going to be jumped? Am I going to be attacked? And I grew up, I grew up in a predominantly black area. Like the, the, the city that I'm elected to office in isn't a predominantly white area, you know? And I never in my whole life, up until maybe like five years ago, started having this thought so weird but that's exactly what they want to do that's exactly what these left movements want to do they want to keep racism alive they want to keep you distrustful of your neighbor and i hate to say it, but sometimes it works i know it shouldn't i mean most black people i talk to in my area are actually fairly conservative but there's that element to me that's just like i've seen so many white people just get beat because they're white god damn i don't know what to do you know like i i I choose to not let, you know, any of these newly found, perhaps, prejudices, I guess is what they would call be called. Because everyone has a little, a little, uh, like, in-group in preference. That's natural, but... Poll finds over a quarter of black Americans don't think it's okay to be white. Now, this is from March 6th, 2023, so it's fairly new. A poll from last month indicated over a quarter of black Americans disagree with the statement, it's okay to be white, uh, resurfaced after Dilbert comic strip creator Scott Adams said the report indicated black Americans were part of a hate group. Yeah, there aren't waves of white people going out and hunting down black people, but there are actively groups of black people hunting down white people in this country. So there, you know, but Scott Adams was also wildly taken out of context too. The poll asked whether respondents agreed or disagreed with the statement and found that only 53% of black Americans said they agreed, while 47% indicated they either disagreed or are not sure. Yeah, the we're not sure. Those are people who fall into one of two camps. One, I don't want to say I like white people because it might not be cool black people, meaning black people don't think it's predominantly cool black people to be white or be cool with white people. And the other side of that is, oh, God, I don't want to admit to being racist and hating white people. Rasmussen Reports, which conducted a poll, said its questioning was inspired by the Anti-Defamations League, ADL, description of the phrase, a hate symbol. Right here. Rasmussen Reports, updated. AstroTurf has finally discovered our OK-to-be-white poll, inspired by the ADL literally defining the wording of question as hate speech. For those... So dispose, here is a link to their site where you can report us for asking it. The poll asked respondents to indicate whether they agree or disagree with the statement black people can be racist too. 35% of black respondents said they either disagreed or were not sure. 7% of white respondents also answered that way. Yeah, well, you know, pussies. The answer is absolutely. Like I said, everyone has an in-group preference. Outside of liberals, liberals actually the only group. Young liberals are the only group with an out-group preference. How weird is that? 
Well, then again, who could stand them? They can't stand themselves. The poll's results went largely unnoticed until Adams spoke about it, about them on his digital show, Real Coffee with Scott Adams. That's not true. I've talked about these, but I'm not a big platform or program. Quote, so I realize, as you know, I've been identifying as black for a while, for years now, because I like to be, uh, I like it to be on the, I like to be on the winning team, (laughs) and I like to help. I always thought, well, if I help the black community, that's sort of the biggest lever. You can find the biggest benefit, or you can find find the biggest benefit. So I thought, well, that's the hardest thing and the biggest benefit. So I'd like to focus a lot of my life resources in helping black Americans so much that I started to identify as black. Ooh, to just be on the team I was helping. But it turns out nearly half of that team doesn't think I, it's okay to be white. Doesn't think I'm okay to be white. Adam said, as so, uh, as of today, I'm going to re-identify as white because <laughs> I don't want to be a member of a hate group. I've accidentally joined a hate group. So if nearly half of all blacks are not okay with white people, according to this poll, and not according to... Uh, it's not according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, that's a hate group, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. The best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people, Adams insisted. There is no fixing this. You removed tons of what he was saying. The essential gist of what he was saying is, if you find yourself around black people who feel this way, get the hell away from them. These groups are centered and, like, congealed in cities. Get the fuck away from them. They removed, like, three paragraphs worth of context from his show. So I just want to give him the full credit here. Following his comments, Adam's Comics was uh, expunged from newspapers across the country, and his publisher for non-Dilbert books allegedly terminated his uh, its relationship with him. Um... But as you can tell, he was absolutely right. Now we're going to hop over here to Washington Examiner. It's okay to be white. Agree, 72%, including 53% of black people. By Paul Bedard. Scrolling down here. Uh, this is from February 2022, or February 20th, 22nd, 2023. So sorry. Let's go down here. What's more... We asked if voters agreed or disagreed with the statement black people can be racist too. 79% agreed, including 66% of black people. In the latest uh, Rasmussen report, survey shared shared with secrets. Weird. 72% agreed with the statement it's okay to be white. Even a majority of black people at 53% agreed. That's a very slim majority. The statement it's okay to be white was first published on right-wing websites, then picked up in speeches by influencers. Washington Examiner is not right. They are, like, borderline center-left. Hate speeches influencers. It has been since, uh, it has since been decried as hate chant by the Anti-Defamation League. In the last week, for example, Portland, Maine, has seen protests against a former city council candidate's OK sign. Which is just like, you know, also if you're a basketball fan, it's a three-pointer three hand sign. According to ADL, this man right here is very clearly throwing up a hate, uh, a hate symbol. So is this gentleman, this gentleman, Mr. Curry, white supremacist Curry. This is, the, this is the symbol they're talking about right here. Saying that this is a white supremacist symbol. Right here. When it's just like the three-pointer sign or it's okay. 
you know, because your fingers make a K shape and the thumb and index finger make an O, so it's okay. Yeah, that's what they're calling a, a, a hate speech symbol. Mm-hmm. But the largest, uh, let's see, in the survey, people, uh, Rasmussen survey showed that most people think it's, uh, showed that most people, that most think nobody has the market on racism and that there is a lot more open-mindedness on the topic than the media would make you believe. Well, still, almost 50% of black people hate or do not like white people and think it's not okay to be white. And furthermore, you think about other surveys that come out where it's like 72% of Democrats don't think conservatives have should have rights. So it's like, no, right, 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 right. For example, those who disagree uh, with both statements were a very small percentage and equal 12% somewhat to strongly disagree with both statements. Meaning they disagree with the strongly disagree with it is okay to be white and strongly agree with it's okay to be white. When asked if black people can be racist too, 53% strongly agreed, which is probably the same 53% that, you know, think it's okay to be white. <laughs> they probably have seen the racism on, uh, in their... Uh, in their uh, population and been like, ooh, yeah, no. In its, an- in its analysis, Rasmussen said, quote, support for okay to be white crosses political lines. Majority, uh, Majorities of Democrats, 51%, Republicans at 73%. Look at that major statistic. And those not affiliated with either major party, 52% strongly agree with, agree that it's okay to be white. Fewer Democrats, 39%, then fewer republic than Republicans at sixty seven percent are unaffiliated. Fifty three percent strongly agree that black people can be racist too. Still, even among Democrats, only nineteen percent disagree with the statement. But Republicans think it's okay to be white more than Democrats do, which is interesting. I wonder how many these black people identify as Democrats or left wing ideologies in general. It's hundred percent. But that's interesting. It's just where I want to end this uh, episode at. So this has been Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and I shall catch you guys later. Any updates about these riots? I'll be here to report it.